Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Monday. Nice to have your company, to have your company. Oh, it's been done before, hasn't it? There's no point in nicking somebody else's thing. I love Kim Jong-un's bodyguards who run beside the car. They've all got the normal haircuts. The reason they're protecting him is because barbers are trying to get to him, going, which person gave you that stupid girly boy haircut? Do you think there are, actually? I've only just thought about it. Do you think in North Korea there are gay bars? No, I didn't think there would be either, actually. I'm just sort of wondering what they'd be like. Would they all look like Kim Jong-un or something like that? Or perhaps drag bars or something? But I don't don't think they have gays in North Korea. Probably all moved, I should imagine. The battle is on to find the replacement for Matthew Wright because he's uh, leaving... Uh, depending on which rumour you believe, he's either leaving because he's had enough of it, he's leaving because he thinks he's gone as far as he can go, or he's had a bit of a tantrum. <laughs> either way, I'll buy any of those ideas. But uh, the, the names in the frame are very interesting. Unless they're going to change the uh, the times of the programme, it's going to look a bit difficult for some people to actually end up doing it. Lily Allen's on Twitter. Uh, five hours a day. Five. You can't be on it five solid hours. It's not possible to be on it five solid hours a day. I watched Sunday Brunch the other day. The irritating Molly King. 30 if she's a day. And she was on there with a little boy. She does a radio programme. Although, strangely enough, and nobody explained it to me, I assume he must have got food poisoning because he never appeared by the end of the programme. She, he was on there trying to justify what she was doing on his radio programme. Uh, which, of course, we know these things don't work. And in Molly's case, she's I'd, I've never actually heard her speak for that length of time. God, she's boring. I didn't realise just how dull and uninteresting and a bit simple she really is. But she was on there. And then at the end of the programme, when, when the credits are running and hear all the people, they, there was no little Boise that she did her radio programme with. So I don't know where he went to. Perhaps he went, I don't, I don't want to be on there with her. And so decided he, he didn't uh, do that. Ronan Keating says, give X Factor a rest. Give Ronan Keating a rest, as far as I'm concerned. Good Lord. I had no idea he was still going. That's what all these faded pop stars do nowadays. Have you noticed? They all go, oh, I think I'll do radio. I think I'll do radio. And we go, what for? They go, well, because I can't do anything else, because the, the musical career's dried up. Very difficult. Prince Philip celebrating his 97th birthday very quietly. Very, very quietly. In fact, so quietly, nobody even knew he was celebrating. And my friend Eddie Mayer has finally uh, confessed to uh, to being attacked as he was going from a bus after he'd been out to a, a friend's for, for dinner. And he said he was too ashamed and embarrassed to actually mention it. So we sent him uh, all our love and everything else. But he's in all the papers today. So uh, you, f- you finally got the publicity, Eddie. You finally got the publicity. Uh, the fake holiday sick bug, con man... We found him in the paper today. £10,000 he got, and uh, they've gone, you're going to pay it all back. And if you don't, we're going to throw you in prison and throw away the key, you thieving, lying little so-and-so. Uh, the restaurant service charges face the ban. I never quite understand what a service charge is for. If it's, if it's literally involving taking the plate from the kitchen to my table, just give me a whistle and I'll pick it up myself, because I'm not particularly bothered about somebody taking the plate from there to there. It's not like they've cooked it. As far as I'm concerned, the person who, who sort of should, should get the tip with no, no uh, sort of uh, disrespect to uh, waiting staff, is the person who's cooked it. That's the person who's clever, isn't it? The person who's actually sort of come up with it and sort of delivered it. Not actually somebody who just picks it up and takes it to the table. But uh, we do do that. We're very odd about tipping in this country. Mind you, other places are even more peculiar. Um, AIDS not having lotto luck. The man who won 148 million, he's been dumped again by the, uh, by the latest woman in his life. Mind you, I'm looking at a picture of him. I don't want to be rude, but you're not going to be interested in him for his looks. You're going to be interested because he's got a fair chunk of money sitting in the bank. Mm. 
And the nice thing is that, you know, if you stick around with them for about a year or two years, you're going to get some of it. Uh, £8 million gem wreck found off Cornwall. Yeah! I love wrecks. Don't you love wrecks? The Texing was my favourite, which was a, a boat... I think it was coming from China to here, and it was full of porcelain, Chinese porcelain from the Texing. And uh, they found it, and they brought up case after case after case after case of porcelain. And it was bowls and plates cups, all sorts of things, and they were literally bringing, it had been down under the ocean for goodness knows how long, all packed in cases with straw and everything else, so they were just able to bring it up and jet wash some of the uh, the stuff off it, and uh, and they put it up for sale, bowls were going for around about six, seven hundred pounds, so I bought four bowls I bought four bowls, I bought four little plates and two sort of ashtray type things, mainly because I was just interested in the story, I thought I bought a little piece of Little piece of history. Uh, probe into the meat traces found in vegetarian meals that were on sale on the high street. In I think they, they tested five of them. In two of them, there were traces of meat. Well, you wouldn't know that, would you? You wouldn't know that. If, you, if you're vegetarian and it says vegetarian, suitable for vegetarian, suitable for vegans, you're going to eat it. You're not going to check. You know, unless you sort of go out there and go, oh. It's like, you know, whenever you sort of are in a restaurant and you get a bad meal and you send it back, you're not sure if somebody's sort of spat in it or done something like that. You feel like saying that I, I, I really don't want to eat that, actually. Don't, don't, don't bring me anything else. I don't want to eat here. Full stop. Uh, don't dry up with an old tea towel. It boosts food poisoning. In fact, you should never really use a tea towel at all. My advice is that you should uh, get one of those plate racks that dries them and just put put the plates in there and they will drip dry themselves. You don't need to put, you know, tea towels on or anything else. So I've not used a tea towel for 25, 30 years now and you shouldn't either. Um, da, 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 da. England's cricketers beaten by uh, the Minnows, Scotland. I didn't even know the Scottish played. The, the, they play at a different level, don't they? To us, to be right. Yeah, it is a very embarrassing result, isn't it? Mind you, I don't, I don't know very much about cricket or football or rugby or athletics or anything like that at all. Don't even know much about Love Island, apart from the fact they're obviously all a bit stupid. Apparently some of them have even had an education, you know, at the School of Life. And uh, they're still flogging dreary old Danny Dyer. Poor little soul, honestly. She's so out of her depth, but she got boyfriend, like, you know, kiss, kissy boyfriend. And kind of thing. I mean, she is ultimately thick, ultimately thick. But she's gone on television not to find a boyfriend, but to try and sort of boost some some sort of joke that she's got about she must have a career. As I say, I'd, I'd go and learn something, dear. Sitting on a television programme in a bikini is not a career, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, those Love Island girls will know what Brexit is, but they're acting dumb for the cameras. Says somebody who can't spell the word dumb, which is a bit embarrassing. Uh, dumb is D-U-M-B. Not D-U-double-M, so, uh, they, they, but they don't know what Brexit is. They have no idea. They were asked about it the other day. They don't. And they've all got educations. Mind you, I know people who talk about Brexit. They don't know what it is either. Excuse me. I've got to think about water again. Think about water again. I bought some water the other day. Water that I buy normally in Iceland because you get six bottles. No, you don't. You get 12 bottles for two quid of Nestle water. So it's, it's a brand name, water. Where it comes from, I've got no idea. And I bought some the other day in a Tesco in Lisson Grove, and they exactly the same water. They were charging two pound twenty nine, so twenty nine. There must be a huge increase, mustn't it? There must be a huge profit on water. But I, I do like bottled water. I fill up the fridge with it. I fill up my water machine with it. I just I use it all the time because it's cheap, very very cheap. Um, Rupert Everett lost out on roles because he says he's gay, and the reason is that in America they don't really have. 
very many gay actors. They're, they're a little bit funny. The Americans are going to meltdown if Janet Jackson gets one of her boobs out during the Super Bowl. So you can imagine what they're like over gay actors. And they don't really have any... I can't think of any openly gay. There might be a few people who might be a bit suspect, but I've never heard of sort of many, many openly gay people. Now, you, now you're getting more, but in the early days, there was, there was very much a, a sort of a thing on it where they went, no, I'm sorry, we're not, uh, we can't use you. Gay actors in films. I don't know when it started, but I mean, because there must have been gay actors around for donkey's years. Uh, the Sun this morning, a picture of Victoria Beckham, you know, with her uh, non... God knows what Dave was wearing. Another stupid haircut, I'm afraid. And, um, and he's got his hand on her shoulder and she's sort of touching him. Um, it's, it's interesting. Poor old Dave was wearing an outfit. Even the papers thought it was hilarious. You know, that he turns up looking... Worst outfit we've ever seen, but her one didn't look much better. Uh, and then they're, they're talking to the editor of some top-class magazine, and uh, Dave, she's nearly smiling. She does nearly smile. Dave, of course, geeky smile. Geeky smile. Uh, the two two boys, two of them, that's uh, Brooklyn and which one went over there? Romeo. Romeo's tennis star now. You had, we, had to, we were wondering what he was going to turn up doing. And they, they went to the, to the French Open, and they loved that. Don't think they understood what it was. Brooklyn looked slightly confused. But uh, meanwhile, the uh, the bloke who's the editor of Vogue, I think it is, was looking equally confused, uh, sort of being confronted by the Beckhams, who both turned up separately. And uh, this is after the divorce rumours. You know, there's going to be a divorce because there's another woman involved. And everybody was going, well, another one of these cases. I mean, Dave was pictured out the other day running for a, a sort of a field with his trainer, who I think is known to Victoria Beckham. But there again, you know. But Dave's now covered in so many tattoos. He just looks ridiculous. Really does. Oh, look, a picture of I'm Not In Show Business. This is Rio Ferdinand with, uh, with his girlfriend, Kate Wright, who's uh, very plain. I didn't realise just how plain she was, actually. In fact, she looks quite old. I would, I would have said here. I mean, if, if we didn't know any better. She's about 50-something. But apparently not. She's... I think she's 27. She's an old 27. They've got one of the girls in uh, Love Island. She's claiming to be 29. But somebody has done a little bit of digging and they found out that she had her 30th birthday two years ago. And they've got a picture of the, uh, of the birthday party. And so they've said, you lied. Now, I don't have a problem with somebody lying, but uh, she turns out she's been around the block. This is the air stewardess. You know the air stewardess who's had affairs with just about everybody? I mean, she really was like on, on a flying mattress, ladies and gentlemen. And so she was lying about her age. So they, they picked it up and said, look, she should be kicked out. But nobody ever said you had to tell the truth about your age on that programme. I mean, you've only got to look at a picture of her to realise she's way older than 29. In fact, I'd be surprised if she's only 32. Uh, brilliant news, Matthew Wright's leaving. Oh, right. Uh, Georgina doesn't not a fan of uh, Matthew Wright. I like Matthew Wright. I think he's quite good. I, th- I, I would have to get rid of the studio audience for that program because they do look as though they're about to get up and attack him. You know, they look they look slightly odd, don't they? But uh, I thought it's been a long time. He needs to jog off. So arrogant and opinionated in a negative way, despite being you know a usual trait of a journo. He was uh, people like Matthew. He's really nice. Honestly, I wouldn't say that. I would never defend somebody who I, who I didn't think was really nice. He constantly interrupts others and talks over them. Rude to the callers. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, why not? In fact, actually, I think he's doing a brilliant job now. You've, you've picked up on all these things. Rude to the callers, interrupts. Good heavens above. Sounds fantastic. So happy he's going. Richard Maidley or Christine Lampard? What? Richard the Drip Maidley? 
Oh, uh, no. God, no. Thank you very much indeed. And Christine, how are you, Lampard? Oh, God, no. She's so fake. It's, I mean, she's more plastic than I am. And God knows I'm loaded with plastic. So love it when the clock hits four, says Georgie. Oh, no, definitely. You can't put Richard Madeley on there. He's a drip. He's absolutely... He's just... Oh, no. No. They Put who on question time? Richard Maidley. He's a simpleton. He's a, Look at his daughter. <laughs> Have another drink. <sighs> Smoke another spliff. You know, crash the car kind of thing. It's, uh, oh, dear. What, did it, what was he talking about in question time? I think he's a bluffer. He's an absolute bluffer. I've heard people before that, that bluff, and he, do, he does bluffing quite well. Don't get me wrong, he's really sweet. But, uh, oh, no, not for Matthew Wright's job. There was a rumour that it's going to be uh, Nick Ferrari. Why would he want to take that? I mean, unless they're going to change the time of the programme. He works till 10 o'clock every morning. Unless they're going to get him on a bike and start the show at half past 10. In which case, he'll have missed the morning meeting where they discuss what they're going to be doing on it. So uh, that one's out straight away. And then there was a rumour that it was going to be Judy Finnegan. <laughs> You're joking. Judy Finnegan. So, what, what time does the show start, Richard? Oh, it starts about 9 o'clock. Nine o'clock. I can't do nine o'clock. Why? I'm still in bed. She'd never make it. She'd never make it. Judy Finnegan. She's not been on telly for years. She's already told us she's retired. You know, and so she's obviously decided she doesn't want to do anything like that ever again. Because the moment she appears on telly, you know what they're going to be saying? Oh, look how she's aged. Look at this. Look at that. So there's no point in doing it. It's not worth her. She doesn't need the money. You know, he sort of brings in a little bit of money because he sort of he likes being a, a Z-list celebrity. That's what he is. You know, people people do laugh at, at Richard Madeley. Nobody takes him seriously. You never think, oh, Jeremy Paxman replacement, Richard Madeley. You don't think like that, do you? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I did love it the other day. I was talking about uh, Anne Robinson. She said, you know, she likes being mean. She works up to being mean. And I said, uh, a friend of mine used to do the bits on... Uh, the weakest link, whereas if they thought they could get a funny line out of it, they would stop, give her the funny line. And then somebody wrote to me and said, I've been on the show, it, it, it wasn't scripted. I never said it was scripted. What I said is they would stop it and they would they would tell the contestants how to behave to something and then they would give her a line which could be used, which made the programme sound... You don't really think she's that funny, do you? Of course not. No, they give them funny lines. It just, it's sort of, you know, some are hers and some are somebody else's. That's why you have writers on uh, on programmes. And uh, I went on the right stuff, says Zach. And uh, you're right, 90% of the audience are regulars. Very strange bunch. I think they're there for the free quests on the coffee. They're very old. They had to put a restraining order on one, didn't they? She turned out to be um, 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 a Matthew Wright stalker, which I thought was slightly bizarre. But it's a very small audience. Very, very small. I don't think there's any more than about 15 in there. And then they have some girl who answers the telephone and she, she sort of answers the telephone and then she'll sit in the audience with a microphone or something whilst they have their say. You know, but I mean, who they're going to put on the programme, I've got no idea. I'll go through some of the people who they've sort of come up with. The usual, usual bunch of people you think, I don't think you'd be any good at it. Uh, Wednesday, spent the evening with my daughter, says Mark. I endured an episode of Love Island, and to dull the boredom, kept a tally of the young stars saying, like. Depressingly, the count was 216, so in 48 minutes of broadcast, 216 uses of like, a mere 4.5 uses per minute, or every 13.3 seconds. Not that you're a pedantic or anything like that, but uh, they do say like a lot. In fact, actually, it's, it's Danny Dyer's daughter who can barely string a word together. 
I mean, I've never heard anybody who sounds so dumb in my entire life. I should imagine the word pint must confuse her quite a bit. Can I have a pint? Yeah. She's, she's a bit strange. A little more than a bit strange, actually. Mirror this morning. I've got uh, William Roach, Why I Forgive the Sex Trial Accusers, because you remember that. That seems, that seems ages and ages ago. Uh, the, the Beckhams again. Is that, do you think somebody in the Beckham family cuts out every paper? You know, and goes, oh, look, here's a mention of the Beckhams and all this kind of thing. I think they're living in cloud ego land, totally. Whether they're, they're together is, of course, another matter. You know, you might want to have your own... Th- the amount of people I speak to go, uh, they're not actually together. They're just together for the sake of the brand and for the sake of the kids. And you think, well, they, they both arrive separately... Uh, because they couldn't just marry up their diaries together because they're, like, so busy because she's constantly designing and redesigning and selling clothes to whoever buys them. And he just sort of fannies around, like, we're not too sure what he does, really. I don't think he's in America at the moment. Um, I don't think he's actually doing... I don't think David Beckham could actually build a Lego house. I seriously don't believe he has the intelligence for that at all. He kicked a football around, but if you remember when they appeared on Parky years and years ago, he hardly said a word. He just sits there with that inane grin on his face. And, uh, and she did all the talking for him. But he's the one who generates the money. She doesn't generate the money. He generates the money because he'll, he'll basically flog himself to anybody. And they've got a brilliant manager, Simon Fuller. Simon Fuller, I mean, must, there must be a... I don't think there's a day goes by where there isn't a story or a picture about the Beckhams. In the, uh, in the newspapers. Also, we've had it with junk food on television. 76% of Brits want a ban on early commercials because they're all on there, aren't they? Jamie Oliver's leading the vanguard. He wants, you know, and he should know he's got enough blooming kids. Got enough kids. And also the story that I did yesterday for you from the, um, uh, the Daily Mail, which was on the Jeremy Thorpe murder plot, the showdown after 43 years. They wanted you dead and my brief was to shoot you. Confession made to party leaders former lover and uh, and this is where Norman Scott comes face to face with the so-called hitman the man who was hired they say by Jeremy Thorpe although it was ne- was never proven at trial I don't believe he was never charged with uh, with anything it was just very odd Jeremy Thorpe was actually cleared in court but it was it's sort of it's really weird that it's come back now mainly because the police thought that the bloke was dead and he turns out to be alive and secondly because it was um I can't remember, actually, at the time. I can remember bits of it, but not the main bit. Did Jeremy Thorpe ever admit to having a relationship with, uh, with Norman Scott? He didn't, did he? I don't, I don't think he ever admitted that, but everybody in the business knew that Jeremy Scott was a, a whoopsie who played on one, part, one side of the fence and then not the other side of the fence. I think it's called bisexuality, to be honest with you. But in those days, people never spoke about it. People didn't, I mean, people really didn't speak about it. You know, there were loads of rumours about various other, you know, sp- uh, people from the House of Commons and uh, former MPs and things like that. I don't think Cyril Smith was ever charged. But there again, Jimmy Savile was never charged either. Jimmy Savile did the decent thing and died before anything could be done about it. He used to apparently answer the phone with, she said she was 16. A rather peculiar man. I think uh, history is littered with people like that. The decoy jets for Kim Jong-un in assassination fears. Nobody would want to assassinate him. Everybody wants peace. Everybody wants him to have a nice time. Uh, the funny thing was that he has... They brought interpreters with them. And yet he must speak perfect English because he went to school in Switzerland. And they were... I mean, he, he didn't do an awful lot of schooling, but he would have spoken English at these schools... That's what they did. I think in one year he had 75 days off. But I'm sure he must speak English. 
he can't be that illiterate, can he, that he wouldn't sort of be able to speak and write it if you go to uh, a school in Switzerland. I mean, that's about as good as it's going to get. Um, there's going to be questions. They're staying in separate hotels. He's got his bodyguards who uh, run along side of the car. It's quite something to behold. I just hope it all goes well. I really do. I mean, I, I really don't want it not to succeed. I'm desperate for it to succeed. We found another thieving con man. This is a lying holiday maker. His name is Jadeep Singh. And uh, Jadeep Singh is a thief. A thief and a robber, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, this one made a bogus sickness compensation claim. Uh, he was a wedding guest. He was caught out after posing for smiling selfies. He posted them online whilst claiming he was suffering a gastric illness, you thieving little so-and-so. The 34-year-old later said the food and drink at an all-exclusive resort in Cancun, Mexico, made him feel ill for three weeks. He and all 12 guests in his party were sick, but only he made a claim against the holiday firm Tui. A judge at Manchester County Court found Singh of Salford, that's Jadeep Singh, fundamentally dishonest and ordered him to pay £10,000 costs. Good, good, I'm glad you've been caught out, you lying little so-and-so. Andrew Flintham. Tui's managing director said, despite the efforts we go through to defend our industry and hotel partners, we will continue to do this as we have a duty of care to protect honest holidaymakers. Liam Royal of Eccles, who's 23, Liam Royal, was last week ordered to pay £6,000 to Jet 2 after claiming he suffered five days of sickness caused by the food at a hotel in Cyprus. His ex-girlfriend said it was not true. Travel bosses say the number of false claims has risen by 500%. That uh, they will take you to court. Believe you me, they will find out. They will ask. They'll find out. And if you've lied, you're not going to get away with it. So this one gets fined £10,000. Good, Mr Singh. I hope you, uh, you realise the error of your ways. And I hope somebody who's employing you will be thinking you're probably, as I think, as untrustworthy as they come. And the other one, six grand he's got to pay. Good, good. The more we find these people, the happier I am. I once bought a Chinese uh, porcelain bowl, says Paul. I was so impressed I bought another one ten minutes later. The old joke about Chinese food, isn't it? The old joke. We were talking the other day. What were we talking about? We were talking about um, pizzas. I think Pizza Hut or Pizza Express or one of the... I don't think it's Pizza Express. Pizza Hut, probably. They had a thing where you can eat as much pizza as you like. You pay one, one price and eat as much pizza. And they had to stop it because the place was full of students who would starve themselves for like a day and then go in there and eat copious amounts of pizza. Because what they would do, they'd say, oh, can you bring me a cheese and ham and a thing? And they would have so many pizzas on the table. And they suddenly realised this was not the best way forward. So they changed the system and started bringing over slices of pizza. But they left a suitable gap, knowing that, you know, if you, if you have a gap with pizza, you feel as though you're full up. It was a sneaky little way around it. They, they, they didn't want to... Uh, to sort of make sure that the students were not eating all their pizzas because they could eat, students could eat an awful lot of pizzas. Uh, more of your texts and emails in a moment. 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk. It's thought that Kim studied English, French and German at his Swiss school. However, he wasn't very good at English and barely passed the exam. English, French and German, honestly. <laughs> Look at them now, though. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? They've got all these houses that he lived in and they've got... Do you know he was driving a car at the age of seven? At the age of seven, they adapted their cars so that he could uh, he, he could drive them. 
Pity they didn't tell him about decent haircuts, you know, because at the moment it was... A, I mean, even the one he's got at the moment, he probably thinks he looks sensational, but he does look slightly odd, slightly odd. Uh, also, Sir Robin, round the world. This is uh, this must be Robin Knox Johnson. And he's still got a special bond with the yacht, which helped him make history. Fifty years on, he says, I talk to my yacht. People do, don't they, if you've been in those sort of situations. You do talk. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a pretty nice to be company. Welcome to Monday morning, 11th of June. Apparently we're in for a heat wave. We're in for a heat wave. A tropical heat wave. Hate it. Hate it to pieces. It's not my sort of thing at all. I just, uh, just don't do heat. Here we go. Divorce, not us. Beckham's united front. Don't believe a word of it. And, um, and somebody's then put a picture of Dave Beckham. And they put, it costs a lot to look this daft. I mean, you know, whatever they say, whoever dressed him has got no idea of fashion at all. Uh, the father of the pretty teacher has nothing to do with the rumour. This is the person who's rumoured to be having the, the fling with Dave Beckham. I mean, it just gets more ludicrous by the day, doesn't it? I mean, look, I mean, just supposing, hypothetically, it's true. So? I mean, so? What's he going to do? Not going to change anything, is it? Nobody cares. Only the Beckhams. Only the Beckhams, for goodness sake. We realise they're the most talented family... Since, you know, somebody took over the Garden of Gethsemane and opened a funfair ride there. You know, it's, it's just, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I don't know why the papers get so excited by it. There's also pe- pupils reduced to tears by tough new GCSEs and A-levels. I mean, the, 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 there's one YouTube person here says, uh, I've never done as awfully in an exam in my entire life. Well, you have now. You have now. Get over yourself. Apparently she sobs after a biology exam. Oh, I don't like biology. Was that the one where you used to have to cut frogs up or something like that? Oh, disgusting. Disgusting. But uh, these are some of the questions, OK? Would they stump you? I bet I know the answer almost in advance. This is GCSE English Literature. How does Shakespeare present Macbeth and Banquo's attitudes towards the supernatural? I bet you don't even understand the question, do you? OK, I'll give you another one. Work out the radius of a magnesium atom. Exactly. I mean, what sort of jobs are you going to be going for with these ones? Here's, here's biology. Explain why carrots do not increase in mass when they're boiled. Who cares? Who cares? It's a carrot. It's boiling. Oh, have I got anything on history? No. I mean, I've, I've got a nice one here. Physics. Always a useful one if you want to be a physics person. Discuss whether sleverts which is, you probably don't know what sleverts are, it's a unit of measurement used for radiation doses, should be changed to the banana equivalent dose, an informal measurement of radiation exposure. I'd just be holding up the paper going, Miss, Miss, I've, can we, you've got some other questions, like how do you spell cat or something like that? I don't, I don't really understand what the, you know, I mean, I realise, I mean, I, you know, I, think, I think of myself as an averagely intelligent person. I can spell, I'm not a complete idiot. Um, but these sort of people here getting these, these... What's the point of them? What are they going for? You know, you're going to end up working in a shoe shop. You don't need to know any of these things. That girl on Love Island, they, they don't call them managers, do they? Two people in the, in the shop. I love the pictures of, um, of, uh, of George playing, you know, out there and the kids playing in the garden. Little do they realise how privileged they are. They have no idea that they're going to grow up and not have to worry about bills. They've got huge houses to live in. That'd be a picture of Granny... Gangan. You like Gangan? 
Yeah, she was nice, wasn't she? She's not with us anymore. And so there'll be sort of and all these castles and everything. They just don't know, do they? Not a clue. Not a clue. But uh, that's the fun of it. So they've got A-levels and they've been to university and yet the Love Island stars. They're not stars. They're just a bunch of old creatures who want to appear on the television under the guise of, you know, one like meet boyfriend. And uh, Danny, who is out of her depth, she must be absolutely hating it because she's got nothing in common with any of the other girls. Nothing at all. So Georgia says, what do you think about Brexit? Hayley Hughes goes, what's that? <laughs> Seriously. And uh, Georgia goes, where well, we're leaving the European Union. Hayley then says, I seriously don't have a clue what that is. Samira Mighty goes, so like it was to leave the EU so we wouldn't be part of Europe. Hayley. Oh, the EU. Yeah, yeah. Georgia says, which would mean like welfare and things we trade with would be cut down. Hayley goes, so does that mean we won't have any trees? I know. By this moment, I'd be digging a piranha pit for them, I'm afraid. Samira goes, cheese. Hayley goes, trees. And Georgia goes, no, that's got nothing to do with it, babe. That's weather, babe. (laughs) God, honestly, it really is embarrassing, isn't it? If this is what the kids are like, imagine what the parents must be like. It really, it, it goes, uh, and then woman out of shot says, no, we're just not in the European Union. We're still classed as being in Europe. And Georgia says, doesn't it mean uh, it'd be harder, like, to go to, like, Spain and stuff? She likes the word like. In fact, as we've already heard. Uh, woman out of shot. Yeah, I think so. Haley, oh, I love my holidays. I mean, Samira went to a £9,000 a year college. Haley boasts three A-levels. And Georgia stuffed performing arts in uh, London. Uh, Danny just really doesn't do anything at all and didn't contribute to it. It was best that, that they didn't ask her because she wouldn't she wouldn't have understood any of it at all, I'm afraid. But that's what's so funny about it. They sort of it's under the guise of she's trying to find a boyfriend, but quite clearly she can't find a boyfriend. And uh, and now we can see the reasons why. Uh, Jackie says sending best wishes again from hospital. Fourth time this year. Good lord. Whew. And Phil says, Do you think there's a correlation between tyrant leaders and bad haircuts? I don't know. It is the oddest haircut, isn't it? I'd like to meet him. I mean, I can't imagine trying to get all the um, all the security in the building. You know, we wouldn't. There's not enough room in the studio for sort of two of us because he's not exactly a small person. Um, there's a shock explosion of violence, uh, and they say now become a detective in twelve weeks. They've got a, a machete thug who terrorised a dentist. This is in broad daylight. This is not This is not nighttime hours. This is broad daylight. Uh, the father of a Bristol student who killed himself says, why didn't the university tell us our son was struggling? Uh, mainly because they probably don't know, I should imagine. That's the problem. And uh, and the tea towels. Don't use tea towels. They're just really bad for you. I loved the uh, the march the other day. For the votes for women, votes for women. Everybody wearing the uh, suffragettes' colours, and I thought they did really well. I thought there were some very odd people who they were putting forward on television. Very odd people. Very, very strange people. <laughs> Including the one we... Uh, not the one we had the other day, but do you remember the bloke who was put up during the royal wedding? And he was he had a really posh, double-barrelled, triple-barrelled name. Turns out he's a fake. He's a fake. He, he's, a, he's an estate agent from New York who just likes sort of dressing up and poncing around. And, uh, and stupidly, people put him on television and think he was an expert on the royal family. He'd, he knew no more about the royal family than, you know, the next-door neighbour twice removed. Claims his accent's real, yeah. 
I don't think so. I don't think so. It just sounded fake to me. But the, the Australians bought it. Good old Australians, which is nice. And uh, Steve, radioactivity. Sorry to say it's a sievert, not a slivert. Don't be such a snob. Don't be such a snob. Go and bury your head in the coal bunker outside and stay there. It's whatever I want it to be. Somebody told me off for mispronouncing that village's name the other day. You know, my village, I can pronounce it any way I want. Southwick. <laughs> Somebody wrote it. It's not pronounced Southwick. I, thought, I couldn't care less. I really couldn't care less. I'm not remotely bothered. Not remotely bothered. Not bothering me in the slightest. <laughs> There's also a woman who had a bottom lift in the paper. 12,000 quid she paid for it and she's still not happy. Why do people do it? Why do people do it? Please don't do it. It's not good. And um, what was the other one I quite liked? I like the restaurant service charges facing the ban. I mean, I don't. You, you can take them off. Legally, you could take them off. If you don't think you've had service, you just cross them off the bill. Why should you have to pay a service charge? It's absolutely outrageous. Rupert Everett lost out on roles because he says he was gay. Although now they have uh, lots of it. Somebody made, because um, it was the Tony Awards last night, somebody made uh, a speech about lesbian, gay, transgender, queer, coming around the other different things they brought in there. The people were going, oh, that was good. Huge round of applause. But then there was a girl who starts giving a speech at her Valor Victorian... Uh, um, and they, the, the school cut her off because she wanted to talk about abuse and being sexually assaulted. And they didn't, they didn't want to hear about that. They said she deviated from her, her original plans. Not good. Never mind, just a minute. Nicholas Parsons and I once both talked non-stop, talked non-stop for 11 hours. This is uh, Giles Brandreth. And uh, he's very good. Giles is very good, very personable, very good raconteur. Nicholas Parsons, I think one of them held the record for the longest after-dinner speech. And uh, Nicholas Parsons, who, when he was asked to do Sale of the Century, he said, well, actually, I'm an actor. He said, so I acted it. You know, they were sort of, ah, from Norwich. It's the quiz of the week. We used to love it. And they would say, what's the next item, John Benson, we tempt them with? Here's a caravan for £32. If you built up 32 quid, you could buy the caravan. Mo- most people bought sort of little items, which was very sweet, actually. Uh, the Swiss are banning all foreign betting sites to aid addicts. Good idea. Very popular, though. Very po- I'm always amazed. They go, since January, we've given away £190 million. You think, but if you've given away that much, how much have you taken in? Probably an awful lot of money, actually. Corrie's Ken wants to live to 120. I bet you don't. I bet you don't really. You know, we all have days where you wake up and you think, oh, I could just lie in bed. I could just go back to sleep. I nearly did it this morning. I looked at the clock and I thought, I could just have a little, have a half an hour. And then half an hour goes by so fast. So fast. And uh, the car. Oh, the car turned up. I saw him park. He parked up the street. And his lights were on. I thought, OK, that, he's there. You know, perhaps he thinks he's too early or something. And, uh, and then, then he turns the lights off. So I'm assuming he's getting his head down for about ten minutes. Which seemed a bit pointless, but there again. And uh, then he decided to sort of make it. So I can, I can see all of this. And he drives towards me down the high street with no lights on. No lights on. And when he arrived at me, because first of all, he sailed past me and I went, you know, come on, there's only me here. Try and grow up. And so then he had to reverse back. Steve, I said, you've got no lights on. And he said, I only drove from there. (laughs) What? You've got no lights on your vehicle. In fact, right behind him was a bus. I'm surprised the bus didn't go beep, you know, like they normally do. You know, this, this idiot who was driving with no lights. I only drove from there. Oh, right. So about three or four hundred yards with no lights on. How, how clever is that? Oh, dear. Honestly, you do worry, don't you? You do worry about it. Oh, here's the, here's the woman who's had this bottom lift. 
She's the beauty editor. She's had seven types of treatment to get rid of her saddlebags and cellulites. How many worked? And then she, she's done sort of a, a verdict of everything on how much it all costs. And it's about 12,500 quid. The non-surgical industry pumps out misinformation using biologically impossible terms such as cellulite removing and fat melting with impunity. And it's a case of, why would you want to do anything like this to your body? You don't need to do that. It, it just goes horribly wrong. And once it starts going horribly wrong, you're on the hiding to nothing, I'm afraid. Why people not do it? So awful. what do my stars say today? They say you're going to win some money. People are generous for all sorts of reasons. Sometimes we give because we want to... Oh, God, I know those dreary ones. This is Oscar Kaner, who apparently, if his father could do it, just about anybody could do it. That was Jonathan Kaner, wasn't it, really? Uh, also... <clears throat> I must send this on, actually, to somebody. How to heal your marriage after your husband's had an affair. Nice little piece here. And um, also, you can fulfil your fantasy of playing detective for a day. Which is a good idea, isn't it? And uh, what does 52 look like? You know when they say Kylie Minogue... You you did know, didn't you, that Kylie Minogue's just recently celebrated a birthday. Uh, Kylie was 50, at least. And uh, they were all going, oh, isn't she marvellous at 50? And I thought, well, I don't know what we're supposed to look like at 50. I think we're actually, you know, the sort of people who... Some people are lucky with their skin, some people aren't. You ask, you know, people who are foot models or hand models, you know, how much time do you spend doing it? And they'll go, not very much. And the answer is because they're just naturally gifted in that department. Chris says, a level physics in radioactivity. Uh, what is the 4am spike? <laughs> exactly. Explain the 4am spike and how, how that sort of still keeps reoccurring. And the answer is, I don't know. Wish I did. Wish I did, but we never know these things, do we? Uh, Lone Star Leather. Uh, don't know if you read our message last night, but we, we need Hovis in Texas. <laughs> this is John and Leandra. We need Hovis in Texas. Do you, do you know, I never liked Hovis. Oh, look, somebody's feeding a deer. That's a deer with, with, with horns that are going to grow quite quickly. Very pretty, aren't they, deer? Very pretty. But Hovis, I never liked Hovis bread. I thought it was a bit, bit naff. But thank, thank you for the picture, John and Leandra. Very nice indeed. Explain a bit more about it. In fact, if you look inside of the car, you can see its legs. <laughs> it's a picture of a deer being fed, you know. Which I quite like. I like things like that, this sort of back-to-nature thing. They had um, a couple on the television. They were talking about hit programmes of 1978. And this was one called Survival. And it was a bloke who had a leopard. And the leopard... Um, he'd had since growing up and they said it was fine they said but you've got to watch leopards because they can turn around and rip your arm off you know even though you might think it's a pet anyway it went up trees it came down then it had a litter and uh, and then it vanished as fast as it came it vanished with its litter and nobody knows where it went to i'm assuming it went off with the with the leopard who got it pregnant there was no mention of that though it just sort of all of a sudden it had these and it used to sleep in the house with these with these beautiful little kittens which are lovely these sort of leopard cubs. They call them cubs, I think. But uh, they were really lovely. And they had that bloke on who does all the wild, Chris Packham, talking about how he thought it was great and he remembers it back in 78. Uh, Must have been a very young child, I think. Uh, Britons will sizzle for three months. Yuck, 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 yuck. Not so good. And uh, Sanctuary over here for the Afghan heroes. We're also trying to get rid of a family at the moment who said they can't go back to Pakistan because they're Christian and they could be killed. And so it's been pointed out that there are loads of Christians in Pakistan, and they say, yeah, but it's all sort of undercut. So the whole family, they've been here for donkey's years in Scotland, and they want to stay, and they found enough people to sort of support them. 
But uh, we've had all these people now. People sort of, they, ha- they don't work. They're on benefits and handouts, but obviously the kids go to school. And, uh, and they said they, they want to stay here now. And the home office was saying, no, you failed in your asylum case, so you have to go. And then we had these other ones, didn't we? People saying, I couldn't go back to so-and-so because I'm gay. And you think, are you just saying you're gay or are you really gay? People do say the oddest things now, don't they? People say, oh, I was ill for three days on holiday, three weeks on holiday, give me 12,000 quid. And then somebody works out that, in fact, you're a liar and generally a bit thick. So we managed to catch these people. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Eight minutes to five. Monday morning. I know it's dreadful, isn't it? You don't want to get up for work. I know how you feel. Actually, one of the uh, the tube line, no, one of the lines into Liverpool Street, I think, has got disruption on this morning. So that might be a, a little bit, a uh, little bit. Trains via Shenfield. Oh, God, honestly. It's always something, isn't it? Just when you thought it was going to be sort of, you know, going to be sort of better. Uh, instant bottom lift, says Paul. Walk on your hands. Yes, I'm not really sure that's a good idea. <laughs> it's a thought, though, isn't it? Uh, shouldn't it be a 4am quantum leap, says Kevin? God, I don't know. Do you think it could? I don't know. I don't know what a quantum leap is. Isn't that a television programme? Wasn't there a programme called Quantum Leap or something? Was that people jumping into the past or the future? And, uh, and Jim says, how do we qualify as spikers? Do we have to be tuning in seven days a week or can we be part-time spikers? Well, you can be, you can be part... You, the only thing you can't be is abroad. You don't feature in my spike if you're abroad. I don't know why. We'll have to try and work out some system whereby you, you're included. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you're included in it, but I'm, unfortunately, you're not, really. Uh, but uh, I would like to think that you are, so I have to tell people fibs. They go, are we included? And I go, mm, mm, maybe. <laughs> the answer is probably not. Probably not at all. But uh, no, just to, just to turn up Monday through Friday... In fact, even if you turn up three days a week, it would still boost the spike. The spike is very good. And uh, the spike is there on the Sunday as well. Thank you very much indeed. At five o'clock in the morning, which is always a bit of an achievement. Um, another one here that says, uh, do you realise that asylum seekers aren't allowed to work? Not their choice to receive handouts then, is it? Well, it would have to be their, their choice to receive handouts. That this, this particular family are getting uh, too long. I mean, they've got to wait 12 months before applying for a work permit. They've been here four years. <laughs> you know, I would have thought by now maybe they would have applied for a work permit. Don't think so? Only guessing. Only guessing. You know, I'd like to point these things out to you just so you know, you know where they are. They're, they're in Scotland. They've been getting benefits for all these years. So they can apply after 12 months. In fact, they keep saying that they want to work, but they've done nothing about, uh, about trying to stay. Uh, remember the school programmes. What's happened? What are school programmes? Stop, look and listen with Chris Tarrant. An experiment advanced chemistry that I never understood, says Jason. I don't even remember what the school programmes were. You remember them? What were they? Educational videos. Oh, I don't remember that at all. We didn't... Well... Oh, right. And th- this was during the class, was it? That these... Oh, right. Oh, well... We didn't get them in my school, but mind you, we didn't... When I was at school, we didn't have television. None of these things like videos. We did used to get, though, on the uh, one day of the year... A couple of the, the school governors used to come in... We never knew who they were, but it was the same every year. They'd go, I'd like to ask the headmaster to give you all an extra day's holiday this year. We'd all go, hooray, hooray, like that. And we go, we did that last year. I don't remember getting that last year either. That's what it is, actually. And so we got the extra, the extra, <laughs> the extra day's holiday. I just thought it was a bit of a con. Kids will clap anything nowadays, won't they? Uh, Steve, uh, the one thing I love about travelling to India is I get to listen to your show whilst I'm travelling in the car to the office in Bangalore. 
Oh, God, I bet it's hot over there. Oh, I bet it's absolutely sweltering. Oh, it wouldn't be for me at all. Oh, I quite like the idea of being that. I'd have to be in a bubble, an air-conditioned bubble. That, that would make it for me. Phil says, when are us spikers going to get official Steve Spiker merchandise? I want a badge. Yes, we haven't... Uh, oh, by the way, I've just checked on the temperature in Bangalore. Uh, in India, this is uh, Monday today, 74 degrees. Is that at the moment? At 9am. 74 degrees. The precipitation is 9%. Humidity, 89%. The wind's 7 miles an hour. God damn. I feel like saying you're really suffering, but if you're used to that kind of temperature, it's, it's probably great for you. Not for me, though. I was, isn't it funny? I was, I was trying to say to a friend of mine the other day, I grew up in hot countries. I grew up in Egypt. I grew up in Hong Kong. It wouldn't have been any hotter. And yet the one thing we didn't think about was, was the heat. We used to run around on the beach. No, I don't remember suntan lotion, but I'm sure we must have done. I don't think my parents would have let us go out without suntan cream on. And we were in and out of the sea and digging in the sand and doing all the rest of it and came home brown as berries. Never even thought about it. Strange, isn't it, really? And yet nowadays I can't bear the sunshine. We always have to, if ever we go and sit anywhere, like we went to this village, Southwick, and we, um, and we sat in the garden of this, this sort of tea shop thing, which was lovely, and uh, everybody keeps checking with me. You're not in the sun, are you there? Because I can't, I can't bear sitting in the sunshine. So I, I'm the one who's sitting there with the paper bag over his head, trying to breathe in. I get very sort of very hot and bothered with it. Added to which, any wasp that comes my way, and I'm completely out of sorts. Uh, the beauty who launched the iconic Bond girl. She died the other day. She was 90. She was the one who, who managed to get him to introduce himself by saying, my name is Bond, James Bond. And it was that, I think that was taken from Dr. No. And uh, we played that on the programme yesterday. And uh, she was the one who helped calm Sean Connery's nerves so he could deliver his most famous catchphrase. Uh, a post on her official Twitter feed said she'll be very much missed. And I don't know where that is there. Is that Eunice Gason, her name was? What a lovely-looking person. What a lovely-looking person. Now, that either looks to me like it's down at Shepperton Studios... So either that or it looks like the balustrade along by the river in Twickenham, because we have something like that. We've got a piece of balustrading. She might have lived in Twickenham, I don't know. Somebody says here to, uh, to live a dream, plan it very carefully. Plan it very carefully. It's interesting, isn't it? And uh, I don't know who said that. That's designer Audrey Laura Bergenthal has invented a shape-shifting mannequin inspired by her mother. We can never find dresses that fitted. Oh, Lord above. All the things you learn on this programme, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, also, um, and this is the worry, probe into meat traces found in vegetarian meals. Because if you're a vegetarian or you're allergic to nuts or something like that, you can have a really bad allergic reaction. I mean, you know, to the point of people can die. And so if they've then tested these vegetarian products and found traces of meat, and these were on sale in current supermarkets. They're not sort of obscure places. They're big supermarkets. I'll come around to that a little bit later on for you. Shane says, have you seen the movie about Liberace? Told people around him not to tell anybody that he's gay. Well, he didn't need to tell anybody. His management told people he wasn't gay. Seymour Heller told everybody who was listening when they thought he died of AIDS. In fact, Liberace's worst nightmare was walking on stage and somebody going, oh my God. You know, I mean, he was flamboyant. He was over the top. He couldn't have been anything but gay. But in fact, in those days, to be gay was to uh, to basically ruin your your uh, career. So he sued Cassandra in the High Court, who called him a, a fruit flavouring, mincing mother love, all this kind of stuff. Basically, saying he was a puff, 
and uh, that that didn't go down too well in the Liberace camp. So they sued. And what was surprising was they won. They won. Have you ever worn scent? Was one of the things. Because in those days, if you put aftershave on, again, a bit poovy. You know, it wasn't considered very manly. Nowadays, you get all the butch models. but Even the Beckhams have got their own, you know, scent. I nearly said flavours, actually, for scents. And, uh, and in those days, of course, you know, it was different. But he sued Cassandra and, uh, and he won. So he came out and I think he gave the money to charity. It wasn't a huge amount, but it was it was enough to make sure that Liberace sort of hung on to that I'm heterosexual kind of thing. But uh, no, everybody knows about Liberace and his boyfriends. They featured in his shows. Goodness sake, they had to. Uh, also, drying up with the old tea towel boosts food poisoning. The wonder stem cell cure for heart failure. Millions could be saved. William, not amused by cheeky George. The Beckhams have had a day together. Well, they've had a photo opportunity together. They arrived separately and they left separately. William Roach says, why I forgive the sex trial accusers. And Prince Philip celebrates his 97th birthday very quietly, very quietly. 33 degrees in Dubai, by the way. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Monday morning. I know it's the worst thing you can ever hear from somebody on the radio, isn't it? You go, couldn't it be Saturday again? Couldn't we relive Saturday and have Sunday and and go out and do things? Because you don't get to see the family very often. And uh, at the moment, you know, if you're doing the planting up or you're getting your hanging baskets or doing all sorts of things, you sort of you think, oh, and then you go to bed on a Sunday evening and you suddenly realise you're starting all over again. For me, it's fine because I'm doing it the early hours of the morning when it's a bit nippy at the moment. Not as nippy as it will be for all those people coming in from Shenfield attempting to do it. Why is that? Why can't we just have a transport system that works fine? It's like, you know, you, you go to countries that are very hot. You go to Vegas. They don't get power cuts. They don't have a shortage of water or anything like that. Everything is very lush. Everything's very green. Over here, halfway through summer, we start looking a bit parched. Looks a bit desperate, doesn't it, really? Um, how does LBC know how many people are listening to the radio programme? Uh, it's a show of hands. I generally go out in Leicester Square and bellow in the biggest voice, who's listening to Steve Allen? And they put like one, two, five. And I just make each one 10,000. And so that's how they work it out. It's done on a diary system. And so, and we can see you as well, because they've got that new thing built into the radio now, whereby it's a, a tiny, I only saw one the other day. I didn't know they had it. I thought it was supposed to be secret. But it's built in so you can see people, which actually, where I was sitting from, where I was standing waiting for my taxi this morning, there's a couple over the road who were cavorting around stark naked. I mean, it was, I, 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 sort of, I was sort of, just sort of standing there, minding my business, checking the news, and I was aware of shapes at the window jumping up and down. And I suddenly realised it, they were over the road and they were jumping up and down naked. I mean, I haven't done jumping up and down naked for donkey's years. And goodness sake, honestly, at my age, all looks like it needs ironing anyway. Listening to you from Mumbai, says uh, Kavita, uh, sitting very still in an air-conditioned room. <laughs> yes, well, I think it's a very good uh, thing, because in Mumbai at the moment, uh, hazy and 31 degrees, double it in add 30, you're on 90. It's not helping. I have to sit in air conditioning. I've got air conditioning in the car. They don't call it air conditioning. They call it comfort cooling or something. And, uh, and I've got a couple of uh, things at home and an air conditioning unit. I just, refu- I just refuse to bake. It's really uncovered. I've been lying on top of the bed for the last couple of nights because it's, it's actually been quite warm. But I don't have a problem with that. But I just, so I know exactly what it's like. Uh, Steve, Queen's birthday holiday today in Australia, says Shane in Sydney. 
Is she go- Where are they? Where's Meghan and uh, Harry going? Aren't they going off on some little jolly somewhere? They turned up the other day uh, to the Trooping the Colour. I don't know why. I didn't really see the, see the point of that at all. But uh, Philip didn't go because he's 97 and was spending a quiet day at home. Instead, you got Prince Andrew crammed into some uniform while they sat him on a horse. I couldn't quite work out what Prince Andrew was, was doing there. And, uh, and they said because he's whoever he is. I remember thinking, well, he's never turned up before. And all of a sudden, he, he looked like some Thelwell character, some overstuffed cushion sitting on it. The horse must be going, oh, God, what have I done to deserve this? Meanwhile, one of the uh, one of the sisters, either Beatrice or Eugenie, uh, was showing you around sort of Buckingham Pat and all the rest of it. And really, you've suddenly realised actually, this is a family so steeped in history that nobody will ever change it. You'll never change it. The idea of sticking Prince Andrew on a horse, I began to because I thought, wait a minute, he's Colonel in Chief of some regiment. I thought Prince Andrew, he hasn't done a stroke of work in years. I thought he was something like an ambassador. But nobody, nobody gave him the job. He just sort of self-created it, I think. But anyway, uh, Harry and Meghan will make an official visit to Australia, Fiji, Tonga and New Zealand. It's like a bit of a jolly. It's called, they, they, they laughingly call it, you know, following in the footsteps of Harry's parents, Charles and Diana, whose first royal tour was Australia and New Zealand. And then she's obviously said, oh, well, am I going to Fiji and Tonga? You go, oh, I can organise that easy. That's really simple. And we would just say we're doing an official visit. Oh, right, do I have to do any work? No, 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 no. You just go to a couple of dinners. And they said, yes, you know. And then you've got a picture of, I remember seeing the one of uh, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. They spent 18 days in the two countries. That would cost a fortune if you were booking that, wouldn't it? You know, through sort of, you know, holidays are us. And I believe, actually, Charles and Princess Diana, um, during their 83 trip to Australia, spent 41 days on holiday. 41 days. It's, it's the greatest wheeze going and, in fact, you don't even need to pack anything. It's all done for you. Somebody pack, There's an entourage. There'll be cameramen and, and women, probably. And they'll take pictures and they'll just stand there in front of Ayers Rock or something like that or somebody, you know, from Tonga. And it'll be very nice. And then they'll feed the pictures back here. And we go, oh, right, so they're really working. No, no, no. They're just on a jolly. It's a holiday. It's a holiday. If they had the, the Royal Yacht Britannia, they'd be using that to stay in. But they book them into the best places, normally government house. And they stay there and they have a team of people who go ahead and they've got an itinerary. They don't have to, There's no work involved at all. But, uh, in fact, they have been invited to Australia and New Zealand by the country's governments. What for? Don't tell me they're fans of suits. I couldn't bear it. Can you imagine? Oh, we've seen... So, we thought you'd look pretty ropey on that one. Can we get her over here? Yeah, yeah. She'll, she'll turn up. Because cause when they turned up the other day at Troop in the Colour, I couldn't quite work that out. I don't know what they were there for. It's nothing to do with them. They just trooped the car. Although I did think the funniest story was the fact that they found a member of the Blues and Royals who was a gay porno actor. And he was in the papers. And I mentioned it to a friend of mine yesterday. I said, there's this guy who's in the papers. Obviously, somebody sold him down the river, knowing that he's, uh, he's very good looking. He sits outside Horse Guards Parade. He used to make uh, hardcore pornographic films of the gay nature. And, um, and apparently, he's Harry's... Uh, what do they call him? Harry's best gay friend or something like that. And um, and so Harry requested him. But it's the Blues and Royals. I don't imagine how much sway Harry's got on things like that. So this poor guy, Dan, has now plastered all over the papers yesterday saying, oh, look, the gay porno star, and he now sort of is in the Blues and Royals. Yeah, he gave all that up to join the Blues and Royals. He, and, um, and he's obviously enjoying it. He's obviously enjoying it very much. But uh, I still can't understand. I've never seen Trooping the Colour. I've seen it on the television. It just involves a lot of people. Then one man fell off his horse. 
One man actually fell off. And, uh, and there was no... Normally you do get Philip there. He must, be, he must be very tired at 97. And he's just sort of going, you know, I don't really, I don't really think so. I love the pictures in the paper of Trump, Angela Merkel going, and you're going to do what? And he's going, go away, go away. I'm bigger than any of you. Until he meets Kim Jong-un. I can't wait for this one. I really can't wait for this one. I think that is such a great... If he screws it up, it'll be, it'll be really bad news for everybody. <clears throat> so I'm praying that he doesn't. And I do mean praying. Uh, off out with the dog, says Stephen Hamburg, in my shorts. Obviously returned by my favourite bakery. Any requests? Uh, no. No. No, definitely not. From a bakery in the morning, no. I often wonder, actually, why bakeries aren't open all night. You know, because and then it would, you know, because you might want to go in there and get a sausage roll or something, but a proper sausage roll, not something stuffed with this bland coloured meat, which you tend to get in Greg's. I don't know what sort of meat it is, but it's in sort of Greg's sausage roll. And they're, they're, they're not very expensive, about 90p each. And they do their steak bake and they do all their other, their other little bits and pieces. It's quite nice, but I just don't know what the meat is. And as for some of the ones in, in Waterloo Station, never again, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Jan says, which day do we get the day off in the 50s? And which day did we make and wave the Union Jacks? Do you remember drawing the flags, having to make sure we drew them to the right way with a smaller white stripe in certain corners? Could have been Commonwealth Day and or Ascension Day. I can't, I can't remember last Thursday. You can't ask me to remember stuff like that. I remember little. I remember in Hong Kong, the one thing I remember, out of the school there, is that we used to do, and probably kids do it now, you do painting for art. But in fact, the painting, they gave you a baking tray that was used for baking cakes in. So you put powder colour in each of the things and a little bit of water and then mixed it with your brush and then you did paint. And I was rubbish at painting. Absolute rubbish. I don't know, I don't know what they gave me the powder colours for because all my colours look brown. It was just awful. And yet they had green and you got big tins of powder paint. Powder paint. And you you put a spoon in there and put oh god it was lovely I tell you there was something very exciting about that there's a there's a shop round the corner in Drury Lane, and um, I hope it's still there actually I have a feeling it might not still be there but they did all the all the powder paints for all the shows and things like that and you can buy it if you were sort of going to make your own scenery I suppose, and um, but the one thing I remember I remember that from Hong Kong and I remember sticking my thumb in a drawing pin it was upwards and uh, and I did I. Lent down very quickly like that, and it went right through my thumb. And that's, and that's what I remember. I remember the pain of this thing. I'm going, ah, uh, ah, uh, and they just pulled it out again. I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, mate. God, that hurt. <laughs> Are you still planning a holiday to Vegas this summer, where it will be even hotter? Yes, but you see, but the good news is in Vegas, I end up sort of sitting in the hotels. And if I do go anywhere, it's a case of out the hotel into an air-conditioned car. There's no way that you'll catch me walking around Vegas. It's, if you're going to do it, do it first thing in the morning. Because by the time you get to midday, it's too hot. I don't do jumping out of this tall building they've got. People, people bungee jump out of this building. It's like so tall, I felt sick looking at it. And, uh, but I've been, on, I've been on the funfair rides and stuff like that. But uh, not walking in Vegas. It's too hot. It is too, too hot. Steve, uh, Tony Robinson did a documentary and proved all the royal family are imposters. The real king and queen of England uh, live in Australia. Right. I think not, actually. I think not. I mean, I think not. I don't think Tony Robinson could ever do that. He's, he's got an award, hasn't he, Tony Robinson? He's got a knighthood. Oh, he'd be in the Tower of London immediately. Tower of London immediately for things like that. Mind you, there is some bloke who, who still maintains he owns New York. 
and uh, he's constantly trying to get it back from them, and they're they're not giving it to him. You always get these sort of things, don't you? But it, it all depends, you know. You know, you you can trace our family lineage back a long way, long, 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 long way, and for theirs as well. I mean, admittedly, we did go through a phase where we nearly became very Germanic because they are Saxe Coburn, aren't they? So it's a very old family. But no, I think you'll find you can you can trace them back. Mind you, there's not that many left, are there really? Are they, you know, because the, the more they marry out of the royal family, the more diluted. I mean, very shortly, we'll all stand a chance of moving into Buckingham Palace. Very nice it is, too. Jocasta says, and heat wave, you say, I can't stand this weather. It's hard to sleep. Roll on autumn. I I'm inclined to agree with you. I'm inclined to agree, but I'm trying not to be churlish. I'm trying to think, no, no, be nice about that. Because some people love it. It's like we were in um, Regent's Park on Sunday. Loads of people in Regent's Park. I don't know whether or not it's become famous because I've started mentioning it. But loads of people in the morning. And you can hear from one side of Regent's Park to the other the howler monkeys in the London Zoo. This sort of noise. God, it echoes. You can imagine in the jungle... This goes across many, many miles. I was very impressed, actually. Uh, during the 1950s, says Barry, we had a day off school for Empire Day. Right. So I'd, I don't think I'd have been at school in the 50s. I might have come along a little bit later than that. I might have been sort of 60s, I think. I was trying to work out where we were the other day. Having been on this, this um, camp uh, down near Southampton, I was trying to think when the last camp was that we lived on and, and what year it was. And for the life of us, neither me nor my brother could remember anything at all. Nothing new there, though. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Oh, you don't think they'll give it to Jeremy Kyle, do you? If, 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 taking over the uh, the Matthew Wright show. Oh, I hope not. Oh, I hope not. Because he, he wasn't very good on GMB, was he, really? But uh, he's become a grandfather. And um, they, they've sort of... Uh, he says, there's a picture shared on social media by Jeremy Kyle show therapist Graham Stanier. Isn't that the one he went to his gay wedding? Isn't Graham Stanier gay? I seem to remember he, he got married and I think Jeremy Kyle went to the wedding. I seem to... I've, it's stuck in the back of my mind, I'm pretty certain. Uh, loved up Jack's got the jitters. He's afraid of meeting Danny's dad. Well, I wouldn't be worried. I mean, she can barely string two words together. He won't find he can do much better either. It is indeed Graham Stanier. I thought so. I'm just, funny, I can remember stupid things like that, but I can't remember whether or not we had Empire Day off or something like that. Uh, a lot of people, they're, they're, they're now saying on Love Island, they're basically lying, some of them, about, about how old they are, whether or not they've met anybody before, because they're all desperate wannabes. They're all desperate wannabes. But I've got a lovely property for you to buy. OK, you're going to like this, uh, this property here. This is a tower that is taller than Nelson's Column. It's gone on sale. It's, it's part of a house. It's eight storey. It's called Hadlow Tower. It was built in 1838 in the grounds of Hadlow Castle in Tunbridge in Kent by a wealthy landowner. Uh, it was, um, was rumoured that Walter Burden May had the tower constructed so he could spy on his estranged wife. It's got four bedrooms, four bathrooms, a dining room, kitchen and a drawing room. The present owner said it's a phenomenal place to live and my four boys... Love playing at hide-and-seek inside. When you drive up to Hadlow Towers, and it's enormous. I mean, seriously, I, f I felt quite ill looking at it. But it's only two million. But to be honest with you, it looks like a piece of a wedding cake. It's, it's huge. And because it's, it's running at 175 foot tall, which is taller than Nelson's column, and I get ill looking at that. This one, sir. You think to yourself, that'd be, that'd be quite nice to have, but would I ever go up there? Probably not. It's got a lift. But imagine, though, if it breaks. The lift breaks down and you're stuck. And you've got no telephone. Every time you walked in the lift, you'd have to make sure you had a telephone with you to phone somebody and go, call the police, I'm stuck. 
How are they going to get in the door? They'll have to break it down. I don't know. Looks lovely, though. It really does. I, I saw it the other day. It was in Country Life. Uh, another picture of dreary old Rebecca Vardy. I mean, seriously, I don't know what she's doing here, but uh, she's been given a crash course, uh, ready to hand out red cards. I don't think she's got the intelligence, to be honest with you. She was a bit of a show-off, a bit of a nobody. She popped up on Loose Women a couple of times. She wasn't very good. She really wasn't very good. Mind you, they have a few people on there who aren't very good. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, I noticed that uh, Harry and Meghan are heading off to the tropical paradise, tropical, as per the Royals generally want to do. You never see them queuing up to visit the Falkland Islands. No, they're on holiday. You see, it's it's under the guidance. He's, ah, so you've fallen into the trap. You think they're doing it as like state visit. This is like Harry and Meghan. Uh, no, this is just a holiday for them. You know, they will have to go to some dinners and they will have to sort of shake a few hands and have photographs taken, but it's a holiday. At some point, he'll be kicking a football around with the kids in Tonga and uh, they'll go and visit something like Ayers Rock or they'll go whale watching or they'll go to the Sydney Harbour Bridge and they'll look at the Sydney Opera House. It's just a, it's just an opportunity. What we did on our holidays, you know, because they don't work. You know, the work that they do is, is not as... Uh, not as difficult as you might think it is. Tony Robinson did do a documentary on who should be king. And it was some guy in Australia who also wanted Australia out of the Commonwealth. Ironic. It was due to illegitimate children and monarchs abdicating, meaning the wrong bloodline was chosen as the successors to the throne, says Joe. Yeah, quite sure. Not going to change anything, OK? She ain't leaving. Although there was a, a that book, wasn't there, that came out? Was it Sue Townsend that wrote The Queen and I? And that was about the the royal family being sort of ousted and going to live in a council house somewhere and trying to make sure that they had to cut down the Chinese rugs to fit. <laughs> that was quite sweet, actually. Lots of pictures uh, of Harry. Uh, and uh, no, it's not Harry. I'm not talking, it's George. George, we, th- we think, is a right little handful. We think that I spoke to somebody earlier on whose kids go to the same school and they go, it's a right little handful. You can just imagine. No, I won't. <laughs> it makes him sound a little bit like Anne Widdicombe. And, and they gave him a water pistol. Fatal thing to give kids, isn't it? A water pistol. You know, when, when you're younger, water, water, water pistol, right? Quick bucket of water in the garden, and then you fill up your water pistol. Oh, it's great now. It's very good for getting rid of pigeons. Very good. I've got one of those super soakers. And you fill up with water, and you <laughs> blast the pigeon. They hate it. They hate it. They don't come back, though. If they do, they get a proper soaking, I promise you. Um, so here they all are, kids playing on the grass, kids doing what kids do. It's a lovely life. In fact, it, it couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. Ronan Keating. I, I often wonder what happened to him. I know he just sort of disappeared. Uh, he says the fans are fed up with X Factor. Well, that's why they're having a revamp. They're doing it. They're having a, a revamp of it. And he thinks that viewers have had enough. How he knows this, I've got no idea. What's he done? Asked. You know, and I've asked all my friend... And they say they're fed up with it, the same as I am, which is... Uh, so I love the way they, they call him a singer. I thought that finished ages ago now. I don't think Ronan's been in the charts for a, a long, long while. I do like the picture of James Corden, because I think James Corden is fab. I think he's absolutely wonderful. And um, and also, Sean Mendes has his sights, because apparently he used to co-host with James Corden, Sean Mendes. I don't know anything about Sean Mendes, but he used to co-host. Now he's looking for a TV job, so he could be looking for the... Um, for the Matthew Wright show, couldn't he? There'd be a lot of people who'd be after that. Every agent under the sun will be sending in tapes of their client to do the show. And, of course, if it's somebody unknown, 
you get them really cheap. And if it's somebody known, they'll be holding out for a lot of money. What the audience is, I've got no idea. I don't know whether it's a, a big audience or whether it's a small audience. It doesn't really make any difference. It's Matthew, three guests, so I see quite expensive. So there's five of them in the studio. Five of them in the studio, which I think is quite a lot. And then you've obviously got studio managers, people to look after the, uh, the, the people that go in to watch the show. And, uh, and then you've got researchers, then you'll have producers. So you've got quite a lot. It's obviously got quite a big budget. It must have. Uh, but whether it, uh, whether it works, I've got no idea. Who's this a picture of? Somebody interesting? Haley Baldwin. Model. Florida. Looks like anybody else. Bra on. Doesn't fit. Uh, internet tweet and sour for Lily Allen, who spends five hours a day on Twitter. Not really helping, is it? And a man who tried magnet fishing struck lucky when he found a safe full of jewellery and medals at the bottom of a lake. He pulled up the haul the first time he tried the hobby. What sort of safe was it then? <laughs> and he pulled it up with a magnet. Adam Hastings pulled it up. He thinks the safe may have been chucked into the water by thieves. No kidding, Shakespeare. Good Lord, you are an intelligent one, aren't you? <laughs> he says, I, I found... Uh, I cast the magnet about four or five times without any luck. Then I felt something on the end. I found another smaller magnet nearby, so it appears they came back to me to get it. But the magnet they used wasn't as powerful as mine. He paid £17.50 for a magnet on the internet and tried his luck in Cheltenham. He said, I didn't expect to find treasure the first time, but it just goes to show what's out there. That's lucky. That's, I don't know whether that's treasure trove or you have to, have to give it back. Uh, Michelle's career marches on as an army... Uh, as army medic role gives her healthy optimism for the future. This is uh, Michelle Keegan, who really doesn't doesn't do anything, so she's flogging her sort of clothes range at the moment, uh, as indeed they all do. This, um, unfortunately, it only, it's only going to look good if you look like her. If, if anybody else wears it, you're going to look just ridiculous. And uh, and where have people gone to? On Strictly, where have they vanished to? Surprisingly, uh, where were the lovely... Debbie McGee and her partner Giovanni Ponici, runners-up last year's series. Sadly, you'll never know. In a move that would impress Debbie's late husband and magician, Paul Daniels, the BBC have made the voting figures disappear. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? They've just disappeared. And so they don't know. Sounds a bit dodgy to me, doesn't it? Mind you, I think the whole programme's dodgy. You know, sometimes you get... I mean, Tony Beak is writing a book... He's, he's decided that that's where his, his career lies. As opposed to just being terribly irritating on the television. I don't know what it is about certain people who are just <coughs> irritating on the television. But you don't have to like somebody. It's like you don't have to like people who are on the front page of OK! magazine. You know, people like Peter Andre, who exposes his children at every opportunity to as much media coverage. They've all done it. They've all done it. And now you've got Amy Childs, who's uh, done a full-page feature on her. And you know that, you know, she's not the full ticket, poor soul. She does her best. But uh, they, but they, they insist on putting their children into these things. And you just feel this is all going to backfire years down the line. I mean, Pete's getting on a bit now. The kids are old enough to know exactly what publicity is and photo shoots and everything else. And now he's trying to stop, according to one of the papers over the weekend, I think it was The Sun, um, her seeing her children. Which, unless he's gone to court, there's no chance. That's never going to happen, is it? When I was in Melbourne, there's a 24-hour baker. It's mostly everywhere, getting your bread exactly, you know, early. The smell of fresh bread is yum-yum, says Kevin. I agree. Mark says, walk through... Leicester Square on Friday. What's happened to the cinema next door to your building? Um, it's uh, Well, the Odeon next door closed in January 
for refurbishment work. He expected to reopen in time for the London Film Festival, which takes place in October. And the other one, which was just directly in front of us, that's going to be a hotel. And in fact, actually, for ages, it was just a horrible pit in the ground. Now they're racing onward. I don't know how tall it's going to be, but um, that's that's a hotel. So to the right-hand side of us, we have uh, the Odeon, which is under refurbishment. And then to the left-hand side, it's going to be a hotel. Can't wait to see. Cannot wait to see. Uh, how are the hanging baskets coming along, says Bill. Good. I must. If, if today is a reasonably good day, I'll take some pictures and then uh, I'll put them up on, on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Steve Allen Show, by the way. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 27 minutes to six. 27 minutes to six. Monday morning. Uh, the Bottom Lift, the beauty editor of the uh, the Mail, I think it is, uh, decided to spend £12,000 having a bottom lift, and she's decided she's not happy with it. And then I saw a programme on the television which was uh, showing some woman who had... They basically looked like breast implants, but into her bottom. They moved about independently. They weren't, you know, you think they glued them in place or something. Really, the most dreadful thing I've ever seen. I don't know why people want it. It was all started as a craze. It's Beyonce, isn't it, who sort of all of a sudden had that bootylicious bottom kind of thing. And everybody else went, oh, I'll have one of those. And then you've got ridiculous Lauren Goodyear, who's had it done. And Kim Kardashian had it done famously. I mean, to be honest with you, poor old Lauren Goodyear. She just looks a bit sad now, really. Man from, uh, from Tunbridge is Mike. He says, regarding Hadlow Folly, there is history to it. It was uh, renovated using lottery money a few years ago and the top bits were renewed using GRP materials. Sold by the council for a pound prior to renovation. Interestingly, used for swinging parties. Ah, two million quid it is now. It looks lovely. man who lives there with his uh, four boys said he loves it. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite something. It's so tall. Seriously, I mean, I, I couldn't possibly go to the top of it. I found it bad enough going to the top of St Paul's and then going up the staircase, then you go onto the wedding cake and then you do the first bit, then you go up to the second bit and you look down and you think, how these people ever built this thing? But this one looks even more fragile than it does at St Paul's. I mean, St Paul's has thousands of visitors every year. This one probably doesn't have very many at all. But you wouldn't get me climbing up it. Very frightening, very frightening, I think. Uh, even Mary cuts corners with Victoria sponges. Do you know, to make a good Victoria sponge, we were having a, a discussion earlier on in the office about whether or not, you know, people make things. Pastry, especially on pastry. When they're doing Come Dine With Me and they go, oh, what are you going to be cooking today? They go, oh, I'll probably do something with phyllo pastry. And then they always ask when it comes out, did you make this yourself? And you think, of course I didn't. That was so stupid. It's phyllo pastry. You go to the freezer cabinet, you take it out or the chiller cabinet, and then you just, and it's, it's done for you. Like, do you make processed cheese slices? No, I went and bought them. And so in the case of this phyllo pastry, which people use for all sorts of things, uh, you know, it would be pointless making it. And, of course, they all go quite, if, quite, quite iffy and huffy on the programme if somebody hasn't made Oh, you, you didn't make it yourself. Oh, did you make the ice cream? Yes, I did. I did make the ice cream. I've got a gelato machine. <laughs> but it's this sort of making of pastry. Although Zora Suleiman told us that she at school, apparently, was very good at making making pastry so that's uh, that's good isn't it it's just it doesn't i can't do it i just, really and not only can't do it don't want to do it you know if if the good lord above and the supermarkets you know make this stuff then i'm going to buy it from them it's like do you make your own meatballs no i buy them little tiny meatballs from waitrose i found them elsewhere but waitrose tend to be the ones that i like and then you just drop them into a into a saucepan you put in a tin of diced tomatoes or whatever else and some sweet corn and then you just leave them to tiddle away by themselves and that's it 
then you take them out and eat them, maybe with some mashed potato. Uh, here's a picture of the Beckhams again. God, Struth, honestly. Don't you think they ever get bored? I mean, their picture's taken. I'm sorry. Because most of the time, if they're outside, they're miserable. But uh, this is Victoria hanging on to Dave's hand. And the reason for this is because there was a rumour on the internet that he was having an affair, they were going to divorce, they were going to split up, and it turns out that they've never even met this girl. Well, why Victoria would have met her, I've got no idea. But they, uh, they've they never, ever met. Um, and the father of the girl, who's a teacher, apparently, says, no, she's, she's never met Beckham. And I thought, is this put out by an agency? So they go, oh, so you've had an affair with David Beckham. No, but you're now famous enough to be on Love Island or something like that. She's apparently a pretty teacher. <laughs> Dreadful thing to say to somebody. Like, Hello, you're a very pretty teacher. You, oh, sorry. You, of course, are not a uh, a uh, teacher. Oh, guess what? Guess what? You know, you know Thomas. Did you know that? He's just sent it. Yeah, Thomas. He's he's arrived safely. This is our Scottish AP, and he's gone off canoeing in Greece. That's right. I told somebody the other day. They said, "Where's he gone?" And for some reason, I said Poland. I don't know why I thought Poland for canoeing. But anyway, he is, uh, he's, he's arrived safely, which is a bit of a shame, actually, because I'd had a word with customs. We were hoping he wouldn't get any further, but, uh, but, he, but he has. And he's, he's gone because he loves canoeing. So I think, he's gone with, I think he's gone with the family, hasn't he? He's gone with his sister. She was desperately trying to get out of it, I think, but uh, got roped in. And so he says, lots of kayaking, swimming, sinning and sunburning. <laughs> he says, I hope you're not missing me too hard. I know you are. Honestly, you see, even even in, you know, the midst of holidays, people still find time to send a thing. So he's obviously uh, he's obviously enjoying it out there, which is good. I love this. Assistant producer and American football correspondent. Huh! <laughs> so that's to assistant producer, by the way. <laughs> Bless him. Well, at least he uh, at least he let us know that he arrived safely. They always do that, don't they? Whenever you go on holiday, your mum always says to you, "Will you just let us know you arrive?" And you think, "No, <laughs> why should I?" And you always do, don't you? You you send a text to somebody going, "I've just arrived. I'm you know I'm fine. Everything great." Because nobody sends postcards. I don't know anybody who sends postcards now. You used to put the same thing on each postcard, having great time. Wish you were here. Not. And and then you and then I thought after a while. Now we've all got telephones. We can we can send we can send a text message and you can do a picture or you can do FaceTime. Look, here I am. I'm on holiday. Look, woo. Oh, swimming trunks. And, um, you know, you kind of forget, don't you? But that's what it is. So at least he's at least he's remembered us. So I suppose for that, we should be eternally grateful. You mentioned uh, Gary Barlow, an old faded pop stars earlier. Uh, maybe he should follow the Australian mould. His equivalent there changed his style five years ago to uh, Bluesy Rock, released three new LPs which have all topped the charts. He was even awarded the Australian AM to like an OBE here recently. Well, I don't know, Gary Barlow, I think it's great. Gra- Gary Barlow, this, we won't talk about Gary Barlow, I don't think we mentioned Gary Barlow at all. We mentioned Ronan Keating, who apparently isn't in the music business. Gary Barlow's hugely successful. I mean, hugely successful. Like, hugely successful. You know, really, really... Really, really good, I think. Boring, but good. He's not, he's not the most live wire, like most studious people and serious people, unlike Scottish Thomas, who's quite loud. I said to him, actually, I said, I said to him before he left on holiday, I said, what would be your, your worst feature? He said, um, loud. 
And then, and I said, oh, right, OK. And then the other thing was noisy. Noisy, loud, irritating, he thought as well. All of which have, of course, kind of, kind of fitted. It's <laughs> funny what people think. You know, if you ask people what, what somebody's, uh, you know, downside is, what would be something that they would say about them? And I, I never bother asking people. I'm too worried they're going to tell me. You're too fat, you're too bald, and you're not very good on the radio. You know, in which case I'd be in tears for the rest of my life. But uh, so I never bother asking people now. They go, you know, what, what do you think would be your best feature? And I go, I've got no idea. No idea. What would be your best feature? I can't tap dance. I wish I could. I wish I was younger. Well, that's not really physically possible. Um, I wish I could eat more of the sort of food that I'd like to eat, but I'm quite good and don't eat it. I haven't had a curry for ages. I haven't had sweet and sour pork or sweet and sour chicken for ages. It's not fair, is it, really? I I feel a bit hard done by, but that's my fault. So I can't think of anything that would be sort of a down thing. I think... um, I think, actually, as I've got older, i tell you the one thing, I've got lazier. I never thought I was lazy. I used to be able to do loads of things. I've got to motivate myself now. It's like, you know, it's like the hanging baskets, you know. Out there, water them, and we'll do it tomorrow. And then you think, no, I've really got to do it now. I really can't leave them any longer. So you, you do things like that. And then you think, oh, well, perhaps I should do that. And people are always saying to me, have you done this? I go, no. They go, why? And you go, oh, I just didn't get round to it. And they go, but you should. Because I'm always saying it to other people. So, you know, could have been on a kayaking holiday by now, but uh, probably not. Uh, Anne from Camberley says, if you're suffering from the heat when you're trying to sleep, have you thought about having air conditioning in the bedroom? Yes, I have. I have air conditioning in the bedroom. But the trouble is it gets so blooming cold. You know, I go from one extreme to the other. You can have a unit attached to the wall. No, mine's mine's freestanding. And it's got a pipe that goes out the window. Uh, to take away the hot air, but it goes it goes so cold, you wake up in the middle of the night, you have to turn it off and pull the duvet over you because you're frozen to death. I use an app called TouchNote. It enables me to take or use a picture with my phone and send it home in the post as a postcard. Looks the same as the traditional one, says Stuart. Best of both worlds. That sounds quite a good idea. I quite like that. I had an app the other day. I don't know where it came from. It said, you are 15 minutes from Leicester Square. But I was heading out of town. I don't know. I was... We were in, um, where were we in? Um, Marylebone High Street. And next week they've got the Marylebone show or something. And it means the high street will be taken over by um, stalls and food and everything else. Not the time I'm there in the morning, I hasten to add. The time I'm there in the morning, they're just setting things up. And you think, oh, lovely. And there's people selling things. Best place I got the other year for donuts. Really good donuts. Like, really good donuts. Best fillings I've ever had. Lemon curd. Delicious. I mean, absolutely delicious. And a fresh fruit compote, which was delicious. Really. Yeah, you have have two of those and I'm practically floating about on the ceiling. But at least I made an effort. Uh, So we got here. Broke Boris. You know, Boris Becker was broke. We announced that on LBC some time ago. So he's selling his Wimbledon trophies to settle crippling debts. The former world number one is flogging three cups from his glory days in a fire sale of memorabilia. Wow. Wow. That's a bit sad, isn't it? How do these people... I mean, he must have earned a fortune over the years. I mean, when I say a fortune, he must have earned millions. Where does it go? Where does... I mean, how can you... It's not like he, you know, buys loads of flashy cars or something like that. Is it bad investments? Oh, dear, honestly. Where do these people send their things? It's very worrying. But uh, that's... It's the invest. It's probably the investment side. You're probably right about that. Um, and then... Uh, Bingo is a bit hit with Ed... To open up the papers now, there's an Ed Sheeran story. And this one here, he has a secret addiction to playing bingo. 
the other day it was a story about Heinz want to put his face on the front of um, tomato ketchup bottles because apparently he eats a lot of tomato ketchup. And I thought, oh, we don't have to have his picture on there, do we? I use a lot of, you know, of, of Kleenex tissues, but I don't want my picture on the box. Although somebody told me a good idea. You can buy suitcases with your picture on the front of them. You send them a picture and they will put it on there. So when your case comes off the line, you know, if you're, if you're going on holiday to Greece or wherever it happens to be, uh, you can see your suitcase immediately. Does it look really chaffy? Oh, I shan't bother then. I always tie a bit of sort of glittery ribbon around it, so I always, I always know it's mine. And then you discover everybody else has tied glittery ribbon round it. So at the time, you, and then you can't remember the suitcase you bought anyway, because most people buy new suitcases every time they go on holiday. But uh, a bit of glittery ribbon, perhaps a bit, bit too camp, I think. Perhaps I should think of something butcher. Perhaps a teddy bear tied on by its throat. You know, it's one of those winning combinations. Or perhaps flashing lights or something on it. So it comes out, and it's a, that's a good idea for a sketch, isn't it, really? Will we, will we recognise our case? Oh, yes, you will. Out it comes, all, you know, <laughs> love that. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. I think I've just sent a text back to somebody, but I've, I've done this before. All of a sudden, I end up sending it to everybody. I've got no idea how to operate these systems. Useless. Totally useless. Uh, Steve, did you have the the name of the singer from Oz doing the blues rock? Sounds interesting. We'd like to check him out. No, we don't. No. <coughs> not promoting Australian singers on my programme. <laughs> Absolutely not. And uh, one here says, your best feature. Here we go. Ego time. Try and hold it down. The ability to make hundreds of thousands of people achieve a happy face at 4am. Yes, I mean, I suppose actually if it was going to be anything, it would be that, wouldn't it? Actually getting an audience at 4am, I think, is always the exciting bit. I'm always thrilled by that. That's the, that's the bit I like. That's the bit I like. And it makes it worthwhile. You know, I feel sorry for people that sort of wake up in the morning and they're all miserable. Because, you know, I don't, I don't like to be miserable first thing in the morning. I don't sort of feel it should be false or something like that. I'm not going to go around going, yeah. Ooh, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's just a normal day, isn't it? Just a normal day. Uh, Carl in Belfast says, I thought Boris Becker had several Mercedes dealerships. That he's broke baffles me. Show us your gelato machine. <laughs> I nearly bought one, actually, a gelato machine. But I've decided I'll only end up falling on the blooming thing, so there's absolutely no point whatsoever. Great excitement up here in the provinces, says tanker driver Phil. We had an earthquake on Saturday night. 3.4 on the Richter scale. We felt it here in North Lincolnshire, shaking and rattling things. Now everybody in the village is talking about it. And I'm worried Mrs Tanker Driver will find out, because up until now, I've been taking the credit. La, 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 la. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Too much information. Yes, exactly. Did the earth move for you? Did it ever? <laughs> Will's not amused by Cheeky George. I get the impression that Will's is quite a tough father when it comes to George. George, come here. No, I won't. I'm Prince George. Get your hands off me. Off to the tower with you. I'm in line to the throne. Don't you know who I am? I want a DNA test. I want to find out exactly who my father is. You're far too tough on me. Mummy's... Mummy! Mummy! Mummy's better. Mummy's better. Uh, Get in shape quick. Bond is a bit out of shape right now. Don't worry, he's going to be making 50 million quid. I'll go and sit in a gymnasium for about three weeks. I'll be very good. Uh, Steve, most people buy new suitcases every time they go on holiday. Not me. I bought a big one from Tesco for 25 quid. Still using it, says Bill. Ten years later. Really? Is there any... I mean, ten years... Yeah. I've, I've, I've got little... Yeah, I just don't... To be honest with you, I'm bored with... I see people going on holiday and they've got, like, endless suitcases. You see Colleen Rooney the other day. Poor old soul, honestly. You know, Chief Chav and Chav S. And, and she had, what was it, 21 suitcases going on holiday. 
Is that because of the kids? Make them wear the same stuff twice. Really ghastly. Really ghastly. Uh, also, sign up to back the crusade to create a minister for the elderly. Say the Daily Express. Do we want a, why do we want a minister for the elderly? I seem to remember Sadiq Khan saying we, we have a, a nighttime czar in London now, which was Amy Lame. And I call her lame because I don't think we've heard hide nor hair from her for ages. I hope to God she's not still being paid. If so, what does she do? What in God's name does this woman do? I mean, she's going to be the night czar. Really? What does that mean? Nobody seemed to actually know. And seeing as we haven't seen any evidence of what she's doing, I'm, I might be inclined to ask for my money back. Uh, I'm petrified of singing live from my album, says Stage Fright star Eleanor. This is Eleanor Tomlinson, who's released her debut album. She's been in Poldark, but she gets stage fright. Some people do, actually. Isn't that funny? Some people get stage fright about going on stage. I don't. I don't worry about it. I'm quite happy on, on stage. It doesn't really bother me. I know some people think it's, it's really sort of difficult. They go, oh, gosh, you know, what, do you do? what happens if you dry up? Like somebody said to me before, what happens if you dry up on the programme? I said, what do you mean dry up? Why would I dry up? I wouldn't dry I'd never dry up. I don't think so. I don't think I've ever got to that stage where I've gone, oh, I don't know what to talk about. Actually, I might say that in jest. I might sort of go, I don't know, what are we going to talk about today? Would it be Brexit? Uh, will it be the zoo? The UK zoo, which is fighting to save an endangered salamander. It's a fish. Uh, what do they use it for? They use it in a cough cure. A salamander. Read more, Stephen. Read more. What does this one do? This is they've made a union with a small order of nuns in a bid to save one of the world's most threatened creatures. Chester Zoo has joined an international network which is trying to rescue the critically endangered Lake Patsucaro salamander. There's only about a 100 of them left up in the mountains west of Mexico City. The foot-long creatures are nearly extinct in the wild after falling victim to overfishing in Mexico's third biggest lake. But a population of 23 is being cared for by sisters of the Monastery of the Dominion Order in nearby Patsuaro. The nuns have farmed the salamanders for 150 years, harvesting them to create a cough medicine using a recipe they keep a secret. They're mad as broomsticks. Seriously, nuns are mad, mad, mad. They do things. You go to... We went to an abbey years ago, and I can't remember what it was called. Was it Prink Nash Abbey or something? Anyway, whatever it is, they make fortified wine. Small wonders all go around going... I can't remember the words, can I? And you think, why would you want to do this? And they, and they make it... Buckfast it is. Buckfast Abbey. And they make this stuff... And we went there on a tour to go to Buckfast Abbey, where there's all these men... In their sort of, you know, their cowls over their head. It was all something out of a horror film, as far as I was concerned. And then at the end, you know, would you like to buy a pomander? Or would you like to buy a bottle of our fortified wine? I mean, to be honest with you, I just wanted to get the heck out as quick as possible. But uh, it's, it's on, it's on the, the sort of the tourist trail. And so now you've got these wacky nuns uh, harvesting salamanders to make cough mixture. Oh, dear me, I'm not sure about that one at all. I'm also not sure about port... Oh, for goodness sake, it's non-stop this morning. It really is, honestly. That'll be the tax man calling. <laughs> but, oh, I can't, I can't take the, the, uh, the level down. I, I made it ring a bell because I was worried that I was missing... Um, I was missing calls on the phone. At one point, I thought it had dried up or failing that. I just... I didn't have any sort of... any friends left. And, um, and then, so I, I put the bells on. Ever since then, you've been sitting there quietly... And I was doing when we were watching this huge map on the wall of the D-Day landings. I suddenly thought, turn the phone off, turn the phone off. You don't want to be that person where it rings. 
It's, and, you know, because it's it's not so good. And this is a this is a friend of mine. And uh, he says, you don't get nervous going on stage or going to the doctors. What does make you nervous or most nervous? What makes me nervous? I don't think I can't think of anything that makes me nervous. I don't like parties. I really don't like parties. You know, I, I sort of if I if I'm going to a party and I'm going with somebody you know, we've got to go in together. I can't go in by myself. Or people who say, oh, I'll see you in the venue. No, no, not me. No, thank you very much indeed. So parties, they don't make me nervous. I'm just, I'm just not a party person. I, just, I don't know why I don't do parties. I, perhaps it was sort of goes back to childhood when you sort of went to a party and nobody spoke to you. You know, it's almost like you've been sent to Coventry. And, uh, and so parties, what else do I get nervous about? Putting petrol in the car. Sometimes you think to yourself... Is there a hole or something underneath the petrol tank? And I'm putting this stuff in. Or failing that, I'm holding this thing here. Is any petrol going in? So sometimes I put my ear to the petrol tank to hear the petrol going in. Because otherwise I don't believe it. And then you go, 88 pounds? How could this be 88? It's ridiculous. I just put a little piddly bit in there. Anyway, Tony, so that's what I get nervous about. That's what I get nervous about. I don't get nervous about tax. Don't get nervous about VAT. I'm just a bit lax when it comes to VAT and stuff like that. Once I've done it, I can do it really quickly. Really quickly. It's just motivating. Motivational. That's that's the problem I've got. Uh, Strictly's longest reigning professional is uh, uh, Tony Beak. Uh, he's 51. He's an old looking 51. He wants to take his debut novel to the big screen, adding he fancies the leading role for himself. Does he realise how irritating people find him? Is he really that egotistical? But is he, I mean, you know, you get people on the television, you go, oh, God, you're so really, you're so just... And what was I watching the other day? You're so... Oh, that's right. I knew it was something I was going to mention to you. I turn on the television, I've seen it a few times now, and I think it's your So Money supermarket, and it's a bunch of bendy figures who get out of a, a little jeep, uh, like an action man kind of thing. Are they all gay? I mean... I don't want to be rude. Have you seen them dancing? Then they cut to one who's got a little moustache on, and I thought, it's the village people. And they get out, and they're all doing this sort of dancing. And I'm thinking, this is a gay group here. This is, this is not butch dancing. This is gay dancing. And they're doing it on the television. And I thought, perhaps I've got the wrong end of the stick, so I watched it again. Nope. The one who's driving, all of a sudden, he whips off his trousers, and he's wearing a pair of briefs in red. In red. And I thought, this is too camp for words. I don't, I mean, I don't mind a laugh, for goodness sake. I know I've seen myself in the mirror first thing in the morning. But, you know, when I watched it, and every time I see it, I can't help feeling that it's just a bit too camp. A bit too camp. Uh, you're so right about postcards, says Chris. Shame they've all but disappeared. You're joking. Down here, I could take you down here in about three hours' time, and there's a man who sells postcards on the way to Trafalgar Square. Go in any newsagent round London, they're all selling postcards. Seriously. I don't... Who's, who's, the, the pictures are donkey's years old. You know that because you can still buy a picture of King's Road with a punk on the front. And when did that die out? Years ago. You can get all sorts of these odd pictures of, of London from donkey... You know, Trafalgar Square, empty. Middle of daytime, completely empty. You know it's a very old picture. Anyway, about 50 years, a school friend went camping in Devon. He sent me a card from Dartmoor. The picture on the front being Dartmoor Prison. The message on the back said, Wish you were here. <laughs> Steve, seeing that Colleen Rooney never gets photographed in the same bikini twice, five of the suitcases must be stuffed with bikinis, says Ron. Hold that thought. Buckfast, a Glasgow alcoholic drink made in Devon by religious people. How and why, says Paulia. I've got no idea. It's, it's Buckfast 
wine. That's what it is. A previous Money Supermarket advert uh, featured a fat builder twerking in a hop. Oh, I remember that one. Two and a half thousand complaints to the ASA. Well, I'm going to complain about the gay dancers. I know they're not real people, but to be honest with you, it's all blokes. They're all sort of, they just appear from outside these, so there's obviously some gay bar they've been into. And then the one at the front sort of, and I'm just looking at them thinking, perhaps I've got the wrong end of the stick. But I remember the fat bloke twerking. I remember that one. Well, in fact, he wasn't fat, but he was wearing high heels, wasn't he? And then, you're right, people complained about that one. People are very odd nowadays. I just draw attention to it. I don't necessarily complain about it. OK, who's got the right stuff? We'll tell you the uh, the contenders. Well, I suspect it won't be any of these ones. Uh, the Beckhams enjoy a day together. I bet you can't wait to get out, because at the end, they left separately, separate cars, just the way that they arrived. And the wonder stem cell cure for heart failure. Millions of people could owe their lives to it. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Monday. Groans all round, isn't it? It's a case of, oh, it's not Monday, is it? Already. The weekends get shorter and shorter. Shorter and shorter. I've decided, though, if you don't do anything over the weekend, by the time you get to Monday morning, you're a bit jaded with things, so you need to do things over the uh, over the weekend. Uh, the Roonies have a house in Barbados. Why doesn't she leave all her bikinis there? No, I don't think they have. No, 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 no. I think they, they stay in Sandy Lane. I'm pretty certain they stay in Sandy Lane. I think they, they have a house there. I don't think they own it, though. But you're right, people could leave clothes there. If you've got a holiday home abroad, but if, if they rent it out, which they might do, then, um, yes, but where is it? Is it at Sandy Lane? Is it a rented villa? I have a sneaking feeling they don't own a villa. I think it's rented. In which case, she could leave all her clothes there. Perhaps she wears them here. Oh, that's why she doesn't leave clothes there. You can rent it for £25,000 for a week. That's why she doesn't leave clothes. Otherwise, people would be trying them on. Wouldn't they? People would get in there and go, oh, look, all the, the, the clothes in the wardrobe. Now you've got to leave it empty. That's why. That is why. You don't like parties, says Andy, because when you throw the keys to the Bentley in the middle, you're never going to get anything better in return. That is true, actually. <laughs> I've never been to a party where you throw your keys into the middle. Uh, I agree with you about the Action Man Money Supermarket advert. What makes it even better is they dance along to Finally, which is used in the finale of Priscilla, says Bridget. <laughs> Finally... They're just, it's just the campest dance ever. I don't know why. But I've suddenly realised, you know, as the producer pointed out, they do do these adverts which seem to annoy people. Although you can't really annoy, you know, be annoyed about the fact they look like a sort of slightly reject and slightly naff version of the village people. Because they didn't do too badly. Uh, have you seen the, uh, the TV series Unforgotten? Says Shane. I don't even know what it is. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Perhaps it's something that you only get over in Australia. We, we don't get the same programmes as you. We gave up on Skippy years ago. And Whirly Birds and stuff like that. We didn't, uh, we didn't get those for ages. Un- Unforgotten. Oh, it's a British television crime thing written by Chris Lang and follows two detectives, uh, Sanjeev Bhaskar and Nicola Walker. We love Sanjeev Bhaskar. I don't know anything about Nicola Walker. And uh, they solve cold cases involving historic appearances and murders. Woo! There you go. Filming took place in locations including Kingston-upon-Thames, woo, the Essex coast, Westminster and the Fens. That's moving about a bit, isn't it? Lovely. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Might have to get it out. Tom Courtney's in it. Trevor Eve is in it. Bernard Hill, uh, Peter Egan, Sherry Lungi. Good Lord. Hannah Gordon, uh, Claire Goose, Zoe Telford. Blimey, there's everybody in it, isn't there? Lorraine Ashbourne. Um... Another one here, Douglas Hodges in it, uh, Nigel Lindsay, Wendy Craig. Good Lord, I better. I should have to order this, I think. 
Trevor Evis, Sir Philip Cross. I used to love him, a shoestring. He was a radio station detective. People had phoned up. I thought that was very good. Very good. I don't know. I can't remember which studios they use for it, but it was, it was certainly very nice. Uh, Steve, I'm the same when filling up with petrol. It seems to go forever. I start staring at the ground to see if I've missed the tank. I'm now paddling in fuel. Then you need a mortgage to pay for it. I know. I know. It is terrible, isn't it? Yuck, says Chris. Cardiff. Monday morning already. I know it doesn't. It, it, seriously, it doesn't go anywhere, does it? Uh, read the postcards. Uh, Self and Mum, Lois, have all sent, collected them. On a recent Devon Halls, I visited a news agency in Barnstable, uh, where stands in the corner and turnabout with a selection of pleasingly archaic postcards of the 60s and 70s. Yes. It's, I mean, it is, it is absolutely amazing that they still produce these things. But they're so old, and they do, like... Ten cards for three quid or something. Because, you know, they must have cost less than a halfpenny from years and years ago. Uh, Lee says, I'm currently in, in hospital in Yeovil. I'm just wondering if I'm lucky. I'm totally blind, 75% deaf, and now i found out that I've got a pulmonary fibrosis, a heart defect, type 2 diabetes and anemia. But you have to keep smiling. Don't you just? That's like, you know, the dog. It's blind in one eye, it's got no tail, missing a leg, and we call it lucky. It's that kind of situation, isn't it? Mind you, I like hospitals. I'm good with hospitals. Very good. They found a handbag. A handbag. Uh, But this is a very interesting handbag. This one comes from 1915. And it was a handbag that was uh, lost when the Lusitania went down. A German U-boat torpedoed in 1915, the Lusitania. And it went down. And now the story of nine-year-old Winnie Barker's tragic death is highlighted by a New York auction lot. And uh, it's a pair of gloves, a purse and the handbag, which they've, which they've got. I mean, it's amazing, really. The German U-boats were making more and more of an impact in the seas around Britain. So the U-boats, incidentally, if you don't know, are the submarines. OK, they're called U-boats. Uh, so when the ship came to an abrupt halt with a shudder and began to list, few were any, in any doubt that a torpedo was to blame. Along with 500 diners, Martha and Winnie made their way to the deck. But now, and by now, the Lusitania was listing so badly it was almost impossible to launch the lifeboats. In the end, only six out of 48 were successfully put to sea. As the ship went down, mother and daughter held hands and Winnie said, ''Don't worry, mother, darling, we shall be saved.'' They were sucked under the water... Martha lost consciousness and Winnie was torn from her grasp. Tragically, Winnie, who'd been wearing a life jacket, was never seen again. Because what happens when, when a ship goes down, the, uh, the suction around it, the idea is you've got to get as far away from it as possible. When the Titanic went down, one man had been drinking so heavily, he just stepped off into the water and swam away so that he, he wasn't caught by the, uh, by the suction. But uh, strangely, Martha miraculously, was pulled from the water alive by a fisherman still clutching her handbag. And this this very handbag, now now owned by Martha's great-granddaughter, who lives in the American state of New Jersey, is to go up for auction tomorrow for £7,000. The price tag reflects the significance of the event it relates to. Of the nearly 2,000 passengers, 1,200 were killed, including 130 Americans and three Germans who were held in cells on the ship. The sinking of the Lusitania, which was briefly the world's largest passenger ship, sparked outrage. But this bag and the gloves and the purse inside tell their very own story. Now, somebody would buy that. 
somebody would buy that, and I suspect the price would go higher than the £7,000 they're actually looking for. Because you're looking at real people. It's like when you go to these bring-and-buy sales in village halls and you look through the postcards and things like that. You're sometimes looking at people's lives. Sometimes looking at people's lives. I remember I, I, I saw a book years and years ago, and it was a book about uh, two guys who lived in a village in this country, and they were an item. They were together. People didn't know they were together in the village. And what they did is they, they documented their life. They documented everything about their life from the moment they started going out to the moment one of them died. And somebody found all these photos when the house was being cleared after the second guy died. And so they turned it into a book to sort of document the, these people. Nobody knew. They just thought they were sort of, you know, a couple of old boys who lived in the village. It happens quite a lot, actually. But they found all these photos and they decided they were going to put them and make them into a book. So, you know, everybody's got a story. You listening, you've got stories. You must have stories. Everybody's got a story. There must be somebody in your family who went to war. There must be somebody in your family who has done something amazing. There must be somebody in your family who was a runner or a boxer or, you know, any one of a number of people who might have saved somebody's life. You've all got history. You've all got history. You know, it's, it's interesting that you, if you sat in a bus stop in London and talked to people, you would discover all sorts, you know, people you might think have got no story at all. They've all got a story of how they ended up there. That's what's so interesting. I've seen postcards of Ilford, says Jem Jem, also slightly out of date. Well, they don't seem to take new photographs, do they? An old picture of you turned up on the Spiker's Facebook page. It was so ancient, you actually had hair. Not very nice, Kevin, is it? I've seen the picture. I've seen that picture. Surprisingly, I used to. He said, it's good how those sepia photographs are still around so many years later. I know. It was hand-coloured. <laughs> Nicola Walker was in the split, says Sandy. Thank you. Uh, what's the sixth advert? A girl going to Milton Keynes and a bloke with a menacing chuckle. What's that one? I don't, uh, we haven't seen that one. We're generally very good, actually. Uh, Steve, curiously, uh, Paulio is asking if you've ever been compared to Stevie Griffin from Family Guy. Um, no, I've never, even, I've never seen Family Guy, so it doesn't mean a thing to me. Absolutely nothing at all, but it's a compliment. Check out Fam Guy. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Stewie Griffin. Is it another one? No, I won't. Is it one of those? Is it? Oh. Is it? Can we hear a little bit? OK, OK. The broccoli must die. So, broccoli, mother says you're very good for me. Well, I'm afraid I'm no good for you. The first rule of war is Far know thine enemy. Far too aggressive. Not me at all. Far too aggressive. You wouldn't find me picking on poor broccoli when it's so good for you. I wouldn't do things like that. Why would I pick on broccoli? Asking me things like that at this time of the Monday morning. You know, I'm in a bad mood anyway. <sighs> Dear, don't start me today, honestly. I'm hoping it's going to be a very nice week, actually. In fact, I'm definitely hoping it's going to be a nice week. Uh, luck for tomorrow, uh, because Sandy in Peterborough says, uh, I'm going to hospital for surgery for arthritis. Two incisions in the palm, thankfully just a day thing, but still done under anaest anaesthetic. And Steve, patting myself on the back, as this is my first tweet, never too late, at the young age of 51, Listening as always to the Fab Show. Great start to the day and hi to Ellie, my daughter, also listening in Uxbridge, walking to work. They have to do that in, uh, in Uxbridge, don't they? It's safer that way, I think, to walk, as opposed to risking your life on the roads. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. We were having this conversation the other day about car insurance. And uh, a friend of mine uh, knew this bloke who's a magician. Well, in fact, he still knows him. He's a magician. And he was going off to do a gig. 
uh, party or whatever it happened to be. And he gets stopped by the police. And the police go, oh, hello, uh, what do you do for a living? And he said, uh, I don't know why they ask him what do you do. Anyway, it becomes quite apparent in a second. And he said, oh, I'm a magician. And they said, oh, right. He said, yeah, I'm just going off to do a gig now. And they said, oh, have you got your, your props and everything else with you? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most magicians, if they're, if they're not doing sort of kids, they, they can travel fairly light with a small suitcase. And they said, actually, we've looked at your insurance. You don't have uh, that sort of insurance. You've just got private. And, of course, you need, because it's business, you need to have business use on your car insurance. Otherwise, it's invalid. If you have an accident then there is a very good chance they will cancel your insurance and it will cost you dear. And so he said to the, to the policeman, what do I do? And the policeman said, well, you better contact your insurance company. He didn't fine him or anything like that. He said, just contact them now. And he did. And I think it was about an extra £40 he had to pay per year to have it upgraded to business use. So all the people who have corner shops who move their cars, you know, and, and just have normal insurance and yet load them up with water and all sorts of things like that, they're, they're basically going to be in big trouble if they have an accident. Because they're going to say, what were you doing with half a tonne of water on the car? And they go, well, I've got a corner shop. And they're going to go, but you don't, you've only got private insurance on the thing. You don't have business insurance. Like, you know, I, I knew somebody years and years ago who worked as a radio presenter. And uh, they're not in the business anymore. But the insurance he had was working in an office. Because I remember when I phoned up to get my insurance. And they said, oh, what do you do for a living? And I said, um, um, I'm in radio. And then, and then came the crunch question. They said, are you actually on the radio? And I said... Yes. Well, that completely changed it. The moment you're on the radio, you're insured. They just laugh. They laugh because they know that your insurance is going to go up significantly. And you know what the reason is? Even I couldn't believe it. They think that you might have celebrities that you're taking in your car. And if you have an accident, they will sue big time. That's it's exactly what it is. And for that reason, in theory, jockeys can't rent cars. Jockeys are one of the top people on the list for don't rent cars to jockeys for some reason. I don't know why. But uh, presumably to do with the fact you might have famous people. But I was told it was because famous people. Well, I mean, Dale was in and out of my car like a jack-in-the-box. So if we'd had an accident, he would have been suing big time because it would have stopped him working. So uh, that's why they, they pushed your insurance up. Terrible, really, isn't it? When you get penalised. I see people stopped on these television programmes and they don't seem to have... They don't seem to have any insurance at all. Australia's the worst place. Australia is absolutely terrible. They stop people and they go, uh, oh, oh, cripes, mate. Because they do talk like <laughs> Oh, some bloke got very angry the other day. Why are you stopping me? There's murderers out there and people doing other things. Because you've got no insurance on your car. Your car is held together by elastic. And then the girl started jumping in. Mouthy Australian girlfriend. Oh, there's people down there, people breaking the rules every day and you're picking on him because he's taking the car in to get it sorted out. Anyway, ended up with like $1,000 worth of bills on it, at which point he completely lost it, which I, I thought was quite entertaining. But it's, it's the fact that so many people driving around... Is it, is it Greece where so many people don't have driving licences? They, they, they just seem to drive... If you have an accident, you have an accident. You cough up money. When I had an accident with uh, a Polish lorry, the uh, the driver didn't speak any English at all. And uh, and the bloke on the end of the phone said, uh, how much do you want? And I said, about £4,000, I think. Give me driver. And so I had to go through the insurance company, which was ironic because uh, he didn't have a didn't have an insurance on the vehicle. So many people driving out without it. I think there should be like, you know, when you take a supermarket trolley, you could take it so far and then the wheels lock if you try and steal it. They should do that with cars. They should do that with cars. So in other words, if you're driving on the road and you go over a certain bit, the wheels lock and you can't, 
you can't drive it anywhere. Make it so much easier, wouldn't it? Uh, 84850, uk. Young Beth has just... I don't have an interview to do today. Thursday. Thursday, so that's quite nice, isn't it? We're keeping ahead of the uh, the pace. Uh, my insurance says for private use and for business. Ah, oh, well, that's fine if you've got it, but uh, th- there's an extra charge for the business side of it. Uh, Steve, two weeks ago, we bought a house in uh, Borough, Le Marche, in Lincolnshire. Went there over the weekend with our chum to explore. It's a lovely small market town with a butcher's, a baker's, no, not a candlestick maker, a fishmonger, other shops and five hostelries. We stayed at a lovely old hotel called The Bell. There was a really good uh, cover band on Saturday night. My husband said that there wasn't an earthquake, it was me dancing, says Chan. When you find a nice place to go to, you quite like it, don't you? You're kind of sort of away. You know, you work on the assumption, if you're sort of far enough out of London or a big city, that the yobbos aren't quite going to make it there. That's, that's what everybody wants. We all want sort of nice places to go to. And uh, and people now say that a lot of places aren't very nice to go to. <laughs> the shame being that people just don't care anymore. If they owned a property in the in the inner city, if they find out somebody's drug dealing, I think the latest move is to take their council house off them. And the threat of losing the house where they live and having to go and find something else, I think is enough to make people abstain from crime. Well, that's what they're saying. Whether or not it works in principle, I've got no idea. But there's, there's got to be some sort of deterrent. I'm afraid we're kicking your mother out. What for? Because you're drug dealing, that's why. What is it, stupid boy or girl nowadays? You're not learning, are you? Uh, Steve, Australian impressions were starting to sound like Frank Spencer. It's ridiculous. Frank Spencer is, I've had a bit of trouble. The Australian is, I've had a bit of trouble, mate. It's the same sort of thing, but, you know, it's it's not... The words are the same, but the accent is completely different. Like Anne Whittacombe, no, I won't. Prince George, no, I... It's different, you see? No, I... You can hear it. I wonder why nobody understands. I spend my entire life explaining this to people. And they go, are you sure, Steve? All your impressions sound the same. No, they don't. They all sound completely different. I know, because I've worked at it. I practice in front of the mirror every day. Not. Oh, look, it's World Cup. That starts soon, doesn't it? Is that Thursday? Yeah. Why, why do I know that? Why should I know that? I don't want to know that. I'm not remotely interested. But there's a 16-page pullout. We're not going to do very well, are we, in the World Cup? Or are we trying to be very positive about it and go, yeah, we're going to be fine. We're going to go really, really good. And... Uh, no, we're not going to do well, are we? I can just tell, actually. Uh, Steve, what do I love about your interviews is sometimes the guests ask you lots of interesting questions. You don't just fire questions at them. They very rarely get a look in on that kind of thing. I don't, I don't encourage that sort of thing. I get I get people who sort of say, when are we going to talk about this? And I go, when I'm ready. When I'm ready. <laughs> it's better that way, isn't it? Uh, the sinking of the Lusitania, or as Dallas says, the dinking of the Lusitania. Same thing, I suppose. Came about because Winston Churchill, when he was first Lord of the Admiralty, issued an order that passenger ships crossing the Atlantic had to carry arms and ammunition for the war effort. The Lusitania was the first ship to be known to have armaments in the cargo hold and it was attacked by the German Navy. Not exactly Churchill's finest hour. At the time she was sunk, she was carrying over four, this is what I know, four million rounds of small arms ammunition, 303 calibre, almost 5,000 shrapnel shell casings, for a total of some 50 tonnes, and 3,240 brass percussion fuses. Wow! Amazing. I mean, since it went down, several attempts have been made over the years since the sinking to dive to the wreck, seeking information about precisely how it sank. An argument continues to the present day, because it would be a war grave, wouldn't it? So you can't 
You can't, in theory, take anything off it. They found a treasure ship, I think. People are constantly looking for treasure ships. Because when you think at one time, you know, we were... We were in control of the seas, although not in wartime. The, uh, the Germans and their U-boats were sort of all over the blooming place. Uh, Steve, a friend of mine was cameraman on working on Crystal Maze, and that is car insurance. It was sky high, just in case he had a celeb. Yes, they're, they're, they're funny about that. I got the same. I got the same because I have taken celebrities in my car quite a few occasions. Uh, I don't have commuting on my car insurance. I, d- I didn't have commuting on my car insurance was involved in an accident where the car was written off and insurance very nearly didn't pay out they'll do anything they can says jonathan to avoid paying out oh absolutely in greece you pay the police for freedom if you get in trouble it depends what your family name is and how many friends you've got and how much cash says paul true and very scary oh listen i can tell you countries where the police are so bent seriously they can go round corners by themselves heartening to think you you think that we all have a story to tell Everybody's got a story. Everybody. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. You've got a story that can interest people. You know, be it, you know, what you've done for a living, what your family did, going back in your family's history. You know, you've probably seen pictures of your family and you look at them and think, I wonder what they did. How many of you bother to find out what your grandparents did for... I didn't know what my grandparents did for a living. I had no idea. In fact, actually, it's just reminded me that perhaps I should sort of take my own advice and find out what my... Because when I was a little boy... They, they were getting very old and then gradually, one by one, they died off. But when you're little, you don't, you don't really understand about things like that, do you? You don't really understand about dying. And so it didn't make any difference to me. But I remember thinking, I wonder what my granddads did. I wonder what they did. One lived in Ilford and one lived in um, Gidea Park round Gants Hill. Uh, but what they did for a living, I've got no idea. I mean, did, did you... I mean, I wonder how many of you have ever asked your parents how they met. Nobody asks, do they? We seem to leave it until people are fairly advanced in years, by which time they can't remember anything. But I wonder, you know, I remember, you know, asking my parents exactly where they met, and I've got a letter which tells us. We're looking at cars down in this village, Southwick, which isn't pronounced Southwick, but I do it just to annoy people. And uh, they had some old cars. One of them was a car that we had, and they look so tiny nowadays. You know, my car's quite, I think it's quite big. But compared to these other little, we had a, an Austin Ford. It was a tiny little thing. How we got four of us in there. And at one time, my dad, because he was very resourceful, we had a motorbike and sidecar. And there's a picture of me with my mum sitting in the sidecar with my dad riding the motorbike because he used to ride uh, motorbikes. Bizarre, isn't it, really? Uh, Steve, how is a parent responsible for a child's crime? Kick the child out then. No, I think parents should be responsible for their children's actions. I really do. I really do. You know, there's some very nasty little people out there. And you're telling me the parents don't know what's going on. I would think they would have a rough guess. So I think they're as complicit in it as everybody. So you hit them where it hurts. You hit them where it hurts. Uh, much as though it's going to upset people. But I'm sure there'll be a lawyer who'll manage to get them out of it. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nick Ferrari with you at 7 o'clock this morning here on LBC for breakfast. It's now less than 24 hours before Donald Trump is due to meet with Kim Jong-un. Will it actually go ahead? And what will be said if it does? The mother of a severely epileptic boy says she'll try to bring illegal cannabis oil into the UK later this morning. A friend of hers will join Nick live from Heathrow. Because this stuff we've discovered you can buy in Spain. 
Quite legally, quite legally. Plus, in the week of the first anniversary of the Grenfell Tower fire, Kensington and Chelsea Council leader Elizabeth Campbell will be taking your calls, as will Tory MP Jacob Rees-Mogg. That's all with Nick Ferrari at breakfast from seven this morning here on LBC. I saw this story in a paper earlier on, and the only reason I want to mention it to you is because I know how, how sensitive people become. Meat-free and vegan food sold at Britain's leading supermarkets contains traces of meat. This is an investigation by the Daily Telegraph. They did laboratory tests. They found traces of pork in Sainsbury's own brand meat-free meatballs and traces of turkey in a vegan macaroni-ready meal from Tesco's new Wicked Kitchen line. Friday night, the Food Standards Agency says it was investigating the newspaper's findings. Jewish and Muslim groups have warned consumers would be distressed to discover they may have inadvertently eaten pork and demanded the affected items be recalled. Uh, Tesco admitted that the dish from its Wicked Kitchen range, which launched in January, is made in a factory which handles meat, claiming strict controls are in place. And the product from Sainsbury's has got a Vegetarian Society logo, which is highly trusted. And so what they've done is, I mean, I don't know how these things, you know, get in there. It's like nuts nowadays. They have to put down made in a place where nuts could be present, but it's basically nut-free. And I think really for religious reasons or vegetarians or vegans or people who just don't, don't want to eat meat, this could be a disaster for them. Although, quite clearly, if this has been going on for a while, these people have been eating this stuff without realising that, in fact, it does contain little bits. I don't think it's huge amounts. It's, there's obviously some sort of cross-pollination thing going on, but I'm sure they will sort it out. That's what you have to do. You have to... Uh, you have to wait until you get one of those august bodies. Uh, both my granddads were uh, ploughmen. One of my nans was a seamstress. So it's uh, uh, good luck with your family history, says uh, Claire. Yes, I mean, I don't, I don't think there was anybody outstanding. I don't, I don't think so. Even now, I don't think there's anybody outstanding. Uh, would giving Gemma Collins a lift bump up your car insurance, says Pablo? Well, it would absolutely bump up your car insurance, of course. I mean, I don't think we'd have to push her to get her in the back seat. And there's quite a bit of room, but I mean, I don't think it's very likely. The Australian pop star now recording original uh, Ost, Oust, bluesy rock and hitting the LP charts. Number one slots to uh, is Russell Morris. He was awarded the AM Order of Australia last month from the Queen's Birthday Honours List. They still have that, do they, in Australia? The Queen's Birthday Honours List. Mind you, somebody wrote to me the other day and went, ha, 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 ha. David Beckham didn't get his knighthood. Obviously, he seems to be falling out of favour with the British public. Something's going on somewhere. Very odd, isn't it, really? Admittedly, and you know, even I'm bored every day with seeing yet another picture of the dreary Beckhams in the paper or yet another picture of the children. Don't we have anybody else to write about? Answer, no, we've either got them or we've got Meghan and Harry. You know, all goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo pictures of sort of... Of, uh, of the other children as well, which is quite nice. Uh, don't forget, early breakfast predicted the peace, if it happens. Oh, I'm hoping so. Is this the Kim Jong-un? I hope it is. I really hope it is. I would, I would like to think that, you know, Trump can stop being his usual arrogant self. We had a bit of trouble at the Tonys because uh, one of the actors there, Robert De Niro, used, used a rude word to describe him. He's not a fan of Trump. In fact, he's not a fan of Trump to the extent of... Robert Trump is banned from Robert De Niro's restaurants, of which I think he has either two or three in America, and he doesn't want Trump in there. doesn't like him, but he used use the rude word. And I have to be honest, I think Donald Trump is one of those arrogant little silly men. You know, little man, big ideas. But he just won't accept 
the fact that he's not uh, he's not singing from the same hymn sheet as everybody else. So I hope he doesn't fall out with Kim Jong Un. You know, I think both of them could be a bit hot headed. Both of them probably thinking they're bigger and better than the other one. But it'd be nice to think that they could create something. That I mean, that I'd, I'd, I'd go for that one. I, I would definitely go for that one. Uh, Dan says uh, giving Gemma Collins a lift would certainly increase your car insurance. Any modifications, including lowering, it must be declared. Oh, I agree to you. Absolutely. That, that is the slight problem, isn't it? I mean, as it is, I've got a load of stuff in the boot at the moment, which I'm sure is dragging the car down. Uh, we were talking about cannabis oil with chums last night. Evidently, you can buy it in Holland and Barrett. Very expensive, says Jan. It's, this, this is the strong stuff. That's the, that's the weak, watered-down, oh, good Lord, is it still available kind of thing. Yeah, they're, they're, they're looking for the seriously strong stuff that has not been diluted, which you can buy in Spain over the counter, and the Netherlands, you can buy it over the counter. But it's illegal in this country. Whichever way you look at it, she's going to attempt to bring it in. But surely they're going to be looking for her. Hello, would you like to bring it in? I mean, you don't think she's seriously going to be daft enough to bring it in on her person, do you? Or is she going to get somebody else to bring it in? I don't know. I just think, because they've actually told everybody that they're bringing it in. That's why I find it slightly unusual. Uh, Steve, says Dallas, meat and veggie products. The name Wicked Kitchen should have given them a clue. And uh, shame on Beckham for not volunteering for Soccer Aid. Yes, we have Soccer Aid, don't we? They've got lots of famous... Does Beckham ever do it? I don't think he's ever... He didn't this time. I wonder why. Far too busy, I suppose. Far too busy trying to keep his marriage together. Uh, Charlene, very happy birthday. She makes the daily trek to Isha, says Dom the Milky in Knightsbridge. Um, Steve, my mum was a tailor and my dad made sacks. That's why I got stitched up. To invent one joke for today. That'll be the only joke you ever invent. I mean, that, that was so poor, it was embarrassing. People are groaning everywhere. If you realise how much tax is on petrol, I'm not surprised your full tank empties quickly and you have to fill up frequently, says Bill. Yes, I know exactly how much tax is on petrol. I'm an adult. I've got a very, very, uh, very, very gas guzzling car. I know exactly how much tax is on it. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, I know my parents met at the Tottenham Royal Dance Hall in 1955 and my maternal grandparents met. When my granddad, who was a clock and watch repairer, went to a house to mend a clock and met my grandma, who was a scullery maid, says Kev the Milkman. That was, well, that's happened in upstairs, downstairs. People would come around and go, Ruby, Ruby, come here. And they were always trying to fix people up. And you, you met other people, but on your level. So if you were working class, you met other working class. You didn't meet out of your class. Uh, great show. Steve says, uh, Jeremy, maybe think about having your family tree done. I had mine done, and this amazing guy took my family right back to the 1400s. Incredible detail. Fascinating. Yes, I mean, I, my, uh, some of my uh, relatives have already started doing it, but then, sadly, they died. And we had gone back to, I think, you, you can go so far back, and then you go to parish records, and they go back even further. I'm not sure I want to know. You know, when they do these people on the television, they go, well, actually... Your father was a convicted murderer. Your mother used to sort of do whatever. And you think, oh, wish they hadn't told me that. Wish they hadn't told me. Because you'd all like to think... I mean, I'm hoping secretly that one of my dim and distant relatives, who we probably don't, don't speak, you know, owns a diamond mine in South Africa or something like that. But unfortunately, I think it's very unlikely. Producer found um, his cousin, found a living cousin of ours in New York after tracing the family back to the 1700s. Probably on one of those ghastly ships that they sent them over on, didn't they? Because people went there. I remember when they did it to Australia. What was it? A fiver or something. You could go to Australia on this package and then try and make your, your way in Australia and be, and be successful. 
And a lot of people did it. Now people still do it. But they've suddenly realised that the houses over there are the same price as the houses over here. Not like it was a few years ago. And the money over there is roughly the same as over here. And they've had a lot of families on these programmes where they do the swapping over and they go, right, we're going to take you to Australia for two weeks and uh, let's go and have a look at the house you can afford. So they show all these places. The places that they like the look of are way out of their price bracket. And then they say, right, so what are we looking for? One of the, one of the blokes was a painter and decorator and it turns out he, he could earn more here. And the woman, I think she was better. She was a nurse and they were always crying out for people like that. But painters and decorators turned out to be two or even three a penny. But it was the it was the nurse who was wanted. And then they sit down and work out exactly how much everything's going to cost, sending the kids to school. The whole, the whole idea is that they're leaving family and friends behind and it becomes very emotionally charged. And I always enjoy it, but it's the disappointment on the houses. They look at the house and uh, Australians tend not to have big gardens especially not in the cities. They're little pokey things. And some of them have got the swimming pool that takes up the whole thing. And, uh, and you don't get, don't get much of a house. You know, you look at and they say, let's guess how much this one is. So we're looking at Australian dollars, 300000 no, $420,000, which is roughly equivalent to, and then they, they sort of pin it all out for you. But it's terribly expensive. It's, there aren't the opportunities unless it's a particular trade that they're crying out for. Me going over there and saying I'm a taxidermist isn't kind of working any time soon. But uh, radio presenters can do quite well. But to be honest, I've got no inclination to go and sit in the sunshine and broadcast. I'd rather sit in gloomy old England. <laughs> I'm quite happy. Freezing to death and, um, and being very, uh, very sort of settled, I think, at the same time. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. It's amazing how many of you have now responded to the fact that you know exactly what your grandparents did. One here says, my great-grandfather was a stable boy. My great-grandmother was a maid, both working for the same large estate, however clichéd that is. Oh, if you look at some of the, the big estates in this country, there would be hundreds of people employed. You know, there could be 50 or 60 working in the gardens and uh, scullery maids, maids who lit the fires in all the big rooms. No central heating. Good Lord above. My other great-grandfather was... Uh, a dwarf who worked at the fair and he met my great-grandmother who was working there too. Yes, a lot of, a lot of show people married, you know, especially families married into, into other families to make the fun fair bigger, I think, and circus families too. One of my granddad's, Steve, was the village baker in Cuckfield in Sussex from the mid-1930s to when he retired in the 70s. I have a sepia photo of his delivery van with his assistant leaning against it, says Marisa. Thank you. Love listening to the show. Um... Uh, in the morning, my grandmother escaped from a World War Two camp and came to Britain. Must have been a POW camp. My parents met at Coleman's of Norwich, says Richard, which is the mustard place. Uh, willful, pay, uh, willful failure to pay for a uh, valid travel ticket or willfully failing to have a valid television licence uh, are both criminal offences and on prosecution will almost certainly invalidate both your house and car insurance which is a bit of a problem. Claimants will uh, often never know that they have no house or car insurance until they make a claim when their criminal record comes to the attention of the insurer who will run a check through the disclosure and barring service to validate your status at the time of the claim. A criminal record will most certainly present you, uh, prevent you from ever visiting America, Canada and, ironically, Australia, a former penal colony. Those penal colonies, honestly, goodness sake. Uh, there was at the rumour that the Beckhams were divorcing. He was fed up with bailing out her designer brand. I know it was just a rumour, just a rumour. And, uh, and that's why they're in the papers together today, doing that big show of affection, which they do so well. 
They've done it a million times before. We've seen it when the people start questioning and then they issued a statement saying that they're going to spend more time together. And you start thinking, oh, right, why would you be changing anything differently? But they have both arrived and left separately to this uh, this fashion event the other day. Uh, Steve, reason that jockey's car insurance is so high is because they travel vast distances every day. They can go up and down the country, says Nick from uh, Bushy. Uh, Albert in Croydon hopes that the Beckhams will disappear completely. <laughs> and uh, feeling settled in life links back to that design quote you read out at the beginning of the show, says Palio. Thank you. And then somebody says, uh, thank you for cheering me up this morning. Hope the cataract top is doing you proud. Well, long distance, it's fine. Short distances are nothing at all. It's terrible. It's really quite bad. If, if you watch me reading newspapers, I look, I look ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Front page of the Express this morning. Uh, it's the wonder stem cell cure for heart failure. Millions could be saved by trials tested in Britain. The Princess of Giggles, Charlotte, steals the show at the polo. She doesn't know she's a princess. Got no idea. Daily Star, the heat is on. 30 degrees. The norm for record British summer. Uh, Love Island's Jack, who apparently cheated on two of his ex-girlfriends, but it's the best that Danny Dyer's daughter can get, because nobody else is interested in her. He says he's, uh, he's a bit worried about meeting him. It's so fake, isn't it? The whole thing is that he's worried about meeting him. What for? What for? His daughter went on there to try and find fame and presumably fortune. No other reason why she's on there. She can't be on there to try and find somebody. She's hopeless at that. It's the voice which puts people off. The most heart-lifting royal family photos you've ever seen. A four-page special for the Daily Mail. They're not bothering with the football. Obviously very wise. Uh, and sanctuary for Afghan heroes. Victory for the Mail as translators who serve with the troops. Win the right to come to Britain. Five to seven. The Daily Mirror. The Zika virus fears over Meghan and Harry's trip. Oh, for goodness sake. Worry about something else. Who cares? Who cares? They're going away on a holiday. They'll shake a few hands, wave a few people, and, you know, that'll be that. Uh, eat more, lose more, spend less. Oh, I like the sound of that. The prince and princesses have a lot of fun, except George, who's obviously a right pain. <laughs> but, but that's why people like him. They think, they think he's, he's got shades of Uncle Harry. You know, Uncle Harry, bit of a rebel. Uh, also, Corrie's Ken. Why I forgive the sex trial accusers. Um, because he had this against him, and he reopens his heart about the false sex abuse claims and trial that shook his world. He said he holds no resentment towards the accusers. He says we have to be forgiving. It releases us. And he's, he's probably right, actually. He's probably right. Uh, the Sun this morning, boring old Beckhams again. The old, touching, posy picture. OK, Dave, can you just look slightly peculiar, like usual? And Vic, I know you haven't got your glasses on. The hair's looking a bit ropey. That's why she ties it back most of the time, because she's not got great hair. You know, she's had the extension, she's had the colour, she's had all sorts of things. And uh, not looking as good as it could be. But they go to this uh, fashion event with some very odd-looking people. And um, they, they've had to deny the marriage split rumours. I mean, who cares? You know, so somebody says, oh, he's been having an affair. And they go, no, he hasn't. End of story. End of story. You know, unless you find out who, who started these things originally. And then you sue them. It's as simple as that. Stop faffing around. You've got enough money to do it. But uh, everything's a photo opportunity for the Beckhams, isn't it? Uh, Taylor Swift, the Queen of Pop. They do like her. Tories rally for Brexit showdown in the Commons. And there's pictures of people I haven't seen for ages and ages and ages. Plus, know your rights on the railways. You know, if your train is delayed or something like that. The train firms who fail to pay out for delays. Plus, Trump and Kim touched down for historic summit. They're both in place. Both in place. What's going to happen? No idea, but presumably there's going to be loads of photographs and it could be 
could be absolutely mind-boggling. I hope it is, anyway. Uh, plus, all those lovely ladies marching to work 100 years of the vote. And uh, I think it was the best crowd we've ever seen. Hope everybody went there, had a, a really nice time the other day. London, Cardiff and Belfast. Crowds at sister marches in the, uh, in the national capitals. And uh, they marched with banners that they'd made themselves. It was, all, it was all very wonderful. And then they showed you, I think it was on the BBC, lots of programmes which were terribly sexist about women, where you had a man who was sort of interviewing women saying, oh, it's great that you've managed to do something. And you think, and these were sort of old black and white programmes that we'd seen on the television. And then they had a lovely piece where Richard Whiteley had a show where they brought a guest on. They didn't tell him who it was. And he had to know who it was. And on came Patsy Palmer. And quite clearly, Richard Whiteley had no idea who Patsy Palmer was. So she sits down, he goes, Emma Dale? And he had, he'd had no idea. He was obviously so removed from it. At uh, the Times, here they are, the ladies dressed as the suffragettes. Trump stabbed him back by G7 and the Telegraph this morning. Force social media firms to protect children. England's magic tea at World Cup. My gambling addict's son may get help. This is a 15-year-old boy. First case in the NHS. He's addicted. And um, Trump's anger at G7 would show of strength to North Korea. <gasps> Stop playing silly games. That's it for this morning. Thank you so much for your company. I hope you uh, enjoyed the weekend. I hope you enjoy Monday as well. Before I go, just time to let you know what's coming up on my free podcast today on The Little Bit Extra. I've got some tales of Britain's number one family. Yes, it's the Beckhams showing just how wonderfully happy and talented they are once again. Hallelujah. You'll also find out who's been crying while watching Love Island and how one of the islanders has some questions to answer. Plus, I'll tell you which movie star ought to find themselves getting rather wet on their Venice holiday without them actually wanting to. Get the drift? It's all on my little bit extra. Totally free and will be available very shortly from where you get your podcast from. Please make sure you download the LBC app as well as listening to LBC wherever you are. You can listen back to this and all of the other programmes from the last week for free on the catch-up feature. Just download the LBC app for iPhone or Android and tap on catch-up. It's as simple as that. I'm Steve Allen, back tomorrow morning at four, coming up at ten. It's James O'Brien, but next, with breakfast, it's Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.